0: Also, happy fucking birthday, happy thirtieth birthday to Dark Knight of the podcast. I guess you can say it's a birthday if you consider each episode a year. (laughs) So either way, we just hit thirty, and that's a reason to celebrate. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah, absolutely. Thirty episodes. Can you believe we've done this? Thirty times. I can't believe it. It feels so surreal that we actually saw this through. (laughs) this far. Because when we started, it was rough. You know what I did, Troy? This is an honest to God truth. Because we're in our, you know, 30th year, uh, 30th episode, I went back and I listened to a few of our old ones. And I was listening to our episode where we talked about the final girls and I started crying. (laughs) I literally started weeping, (laughs) listening to us talking about the final girls scene with Betty Davis eyes. I was like, we still got it. We still got it, and you know what? Our quality has improved. We've I've gone through three microphones in one year. Um, big jump, big jump in quality.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, that well, that's that's what we're aiming for. We want we want the uh, audio and everything experience to be as professional. Yeah. as possible. Oh, only the finest for our
0: listeners. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. We we're, we're we're in this for the long haul. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to keep going. And it was just your birthday too. Happy birthday. I know. I mean, the reason
0: I use the term birthday is honestly just so we can acknowledge that it was my thirty-fifth birthday, which is not a year that I really have been looking forward to. And I had a little bit of a breakdown on my birthday because I was like, "I'm thirty-five. What am I doing with my life?" So, but I'm back. And I'm better than ever. <laughs> you know, I've I've bounced back, and I'm like, I'm I'm embracing thirty-five and all of the. The, the benefits the perks that come with it um, I'm sure there
1: are many I've yet to see them um but yes it, it's it's a big weekend I feel like you've accomplished a lot in 35 years I mean teacher shortage come on
0: I oh <laughs> my god tell me again give me one more of those nominations for one of those scream fests come on um yeah I appreciate it and you know what what better birthday gift both for us and for technically our one year birthday like let's if we're gonna be honest, This week was the week that we started Dark Night of the Podcast. Um, So my birthday is the Dark Night of the Podcast birthday. We are completely one year into it, and there's no signs of slowing down. Uh, We're exactly 30 episodes in, and we thought this was an ideal reason to celebrate. Uh, And so we brought a guest. We brought the guest, the guest of the moment. Everybody, she's one of my best friends. She's a stunningly beautiful talent. She's a witch. She's an elf. She's a cat lady. And she's an honorary gay man. I mean, she's everything and more. It's Caitlin fucking Newbury. Hi. (laughs) Hi, Caitlin. Hey. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for coming. Of course.
1: Welcome. We are excited to have you. Yay.
2: I'm
0: excited to be here.
1: Caitlin, I, um, I was so nervous because I was
0: like, I want to feel like, you know, both naturally comedic, but also very professional having you on this podcast. I felt like I had a lot to prove. So I was working overtime waiting for you to come on here, but it's just so wonderful to see your shining face. The listeners can't see it, but they can hear your beautiful voice. And um, I know a good amount of the, our listeners are going to know who you are just because we cover all things in the horror genre. But um, give us a little, rattle it off. Give us the basics. Who is Caitlin Why? What makes her tick?
2: I am an actress currently based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, But when Roger and I met back in the day...
0: Back in the motherfucking day.
2: Back in the day, um, I was living in Cleveland, Ohio, which is kind of where I got my start in the film industry, um, doing a lot of a lot of indie horror, which is how Roger and I, of course, met, doing several amazing projects together. Um, magical, magical moments.
0: <laughs> projects that <they> have <laughs> films that have withstood the test of time.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: But we're all the better because of it. Yes. Because at least I had for sure.
2: Um, I'm (laughs) just uh, eternally grateful for that. Um, But yeah, I've um, at this point done about 70 films. Uh, I kind of moved to Atlanta to kind of uh, try to pursue something other than indie horror. Or if it's going to be indie horror, I would like it to be, you know, (laughs) bigger.
0: Yeah, smart move. Yeah. Yeah. But that being said, you've definitely made a bit of your name um, in the horror genre as it is. I would say that, um, you know, you're you're still going strong in the genre. It seems like you have a lot of projects lined up both inside and outside of the genre, Um, but your roots are definitely in horror. And it seems like your fan base that really supports you also acknowledges that. So are you, how do you feel about horror? Where do you stand with the horror genre? Do you enjoy watching it? Do you enjoy being part of it? I
2: I mean, I love both. Um, I love horror movies. I've been watching them as a kid. I never pictured myself as, I mean, I didn't even know I was going to be, like, that was never even, being an actor was not even a goal. It was just kind of something that happened. And I just kind of fell into the genre and I happened to be good at it. So kind of stuck with it. I enjoy it. It's always, it's always weird. (laughs) And I like that. I like that it's always different and strange.
0: You meet strange people and you have strange experiences and I'll tell you, we've been through some of the best of them. Can you tell me one of your favorite... You don't have to drop names. You don't have to reference projects, but give me one of your favorite (laughs) indie film experiences. It could be with or without me, but really just like one of those, you know, those experiences. (laughs) Those ones that you never forget.
2: (laughs) There's so many. Um, I think one of the the strangest things you were actually involved with this, Roger. Um, This made me question a lot of my life choices, actually this moment in time. Um, I was on this set forever ago um, and it was just a really strange night. Roger and I had been called super early in the evening. We both sat around for like 10 hours waiting to like do this movie. And they, it was, it was, almost like they forgot about us. Roger went and took a nap. He, he went to bed <laughs> on, on a floor somewhere. Like he was just like, I'm done. So Roger went to bed and finally they called us. And I remember the director was like, Oh my God. He was like, all right. So in this scene, um, you're going to kill Roger. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, and then he's like, I forgot, a, <laughs> I forgot a prop gun. And I'm like, uh, okay, cool. Um, and so he went and he found the homeowner's antique pistol, and he was like, "Just use this one." And I was like, "I was like, I'm not, I'm not gonna shoot. Rod- I'm not gonna point a real gun at Roger's head." And Roger's like, "No, no, no. Like, out of anybody in the world, I would trust you to sh- point a gun at me." And I'm like, "Roger, no, we're not doing this. This is not happening." So that whole fiasco happened, and then. <laughs> And then there was, like, for the, the whole house got filled with fog. I can't even remember what ha- was happening in the storyline at this point. It was just, like, all bizarre. It was a bizarre night. Um, the, the fog machine was going off to the point that the house was so fogged up that the alarms went off. And the, it was, like, one of those alarm systems that was, like, attached to, like, the police station. Like, it notifies the police when your, when your alarm goes off. So, like, all of this was happening, and Roger and I were just, like, what choices did we make to end up right here right now? Like, how did we get here? <laughs> Why are we doing this? Why are we here? It was, it was.
0: Why are we still doing this? <laughs> oh yeah, for sure.
2: No, that was, that was definitely like a moment that I was like, Caitlin, do you really want to keep doing this or are, do we need to take a different path? Obviously I chose to stick with it. Um, and the sets have uh, since gotten much better, but that was a, that was a, just a bizarre experience. It was just strange. There were, there were taxidermies, taxidermied animals all over the house. And it was just like, it was just weird.
0: Yeah. The homeowner was a a hunter and like, it was like, it felt like I was on a set for like Jumanji or something. It was like every breed of every animal I could ever imagine being propped on somebody's wall was there. It was horrifying. It was it was made to feel like a real nature preserve. Like well, there was like fake grasses <laughs> like it is very elaborate. But you know, for every bad moment there's been there's been a good one and um, I'm I'm thankful you stuck with it. I'm thankful I stuck with it. And you've got some really awesome projects that are, you know, coming out now as we speak or on the horizon. Um, I know you are recently involved with the film Widow's Point, which has been getting some really positive reception. Uh, So you must be really proud of that. Yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah, that movie, that was honestly, like, that was one of my favorite movies to work on. It was, uh, the location was just amazing. Craig Schaefer was incredible to work with. He was just one, like, obviously he's done much bigger stuff than this, than this independent film. And he just really, really showed up as an actor and like really gave it him his all. And he's just like a genuinely kind human being. And
0: you do a lot of work also with your boyfriend, Misha Todd too. Yeah. 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 And he's super creative and he's super talented. And anyone who doesn't know his name who's listening to this should um, definitely seek out his work. You guys just did a short called pretty metal. Yeah. That's gotten a ton of awards. Like even overseas, it's getting awards right now and that's getting a lot of buzz. So, I'm excited to see what's to come from that. But how is that? That has to be making you feel really good to know that, like, this recent short that you did is just getting, like, all this love. I mean, you never know what's going to make one of these projects hit. And sometimes they do. And it gets all this positive reception. And that has to feel just really great.
2: Yeah. That one, um, so far, uh, I, the other day, I think he told me it was like 35 awards in seven different countries or something like that.
0: That's amazing and very deserved all across the board, super talented cast and crew for sure. So yeah, listeners need to check out uh, Pretty Metal and what that's doing and just check out Caitlin's work in general. And um, we'll definitely touch on some more of the things that you have coming up here in the near future when we wrap up this segment. But right now, I want to focus, I want to shift our focus to the title at hand. Because as we've learned from a lot of our listeners and a lot of our fans, and Troy, I know you can attest to this, um, this is a very sacred title with a lot of gay men. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah, the gays
0: love May. The gays love May. And um, I think it makes sense having revisited it. I haven't watched it in years, but I remember it being really uh, impacted when I first saw it in the early 2000s, around the time it came out. And I'm happy I revisited it because I think this title – holds the fuck up um and i just think that it's a lot of really cool dark themes that uh would resonate well with you so that i was curious to throw this title at you and uh see what you think of it so today is mayday
1: <laughs> mayday mayday and you have never seen mayor correct caitlin you've never seen it
2: i've never seen it yeah this is my first time seeing it which is
1: awesome this is awesome so Yeah, it'll be a good conversation. But yeah, it was uh, 2002 directed by Lucky McKee, who is a horror staple himself. I mean, he's done. um, He did the woman. um, I know I'm missing another film that he did. That's pretty well known, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. But I I really think that May is considered like his um, like crowning jewel of of a film. And um, he works with Angela Bettis on a consistent basis. I had the pleasure several years ago, I think it was right after the woman came out to actually interview him. And it's on my blog that I don't really keep up anymore, but the interview is still there. If you go to frightmeter.com, you can read through it. It was mainly about the woman um, because I'd just come come out. But there are, I know I asked him about May and he kind of gives some details about that film. So uh, it's really cool to uh, be able to revisit this film. Because, like you, I haven't seen it for a long time. But when I first saw it, I remember it had a huge impact on me—a huge impact.
0: And one of the things I think that is already like to for anyone who's not seen this, the the cast in this—you you look at a lot of these people, and these are faces that not only do you just see consistently throughout popular cinema, but within the horror genre. In general, you've got, um, I mean, Angela Bettis, she's done the tool, uh, Toolbox Murders, and keep in mind her made for TV remake of Carrie, in which she was one of the, the few really standout good parts of it. But hey, if you have a good Carrie, that's an uh, asset to you. But um, and, and then she's also in Girl Interrupted. I mean, so she's got a really great diverse background uh, in film. And then Anna Ferris, who is very talented, but widely mostly known for her roles in the scary movie series. And I find her performance here. Really great. Um, and it's kind of sad that this, I don't want to say went under the radar for her, but like, this is one of those performances where when people name off what Anna Faris does, this isn't going to come up first and foremost, and that's a shame because this is a great uh, turn from her. I think she does really well in this role. Uh, Jeremy Sisto, we have from Wrong Turn. And then James Duvall, who aside from Donnie Darko, is also in Clown at Midnight, which brings us so full circle with our show because we that was one of our early films that we reviewed. And here he is
1: again rearing his head. I think it was episode two or three that he, that he, we did clown at midnight. And he, he, yes, he is in that. And I gotta say, Anna Faris. Um, the first time I ever saw Anna Faris was in a l- very probably little scene slasher movie. It from 1999 called lover's lane. Uh, and she basically spends the movie in a cheerleader outfit and has a pretty grisly demise. But I wrote a review about lover's lane and it's like I said, it's on fright meter I predicted that Anna Faris was going to be a star when I first saw her in Lover's Lane, which is a admittedly pretty cheesy slasher film. But she was a huge standout, so charismatic on screen that I wrote, whoever this Anna Faris is that plays whatever character in her cheerleader outfit, you better watch out for her. She's going to be a star. So I predicted it, just so you know. Just, you know, Anna. You wish that into fruition.
0: <laughs> you you are the reason that Anna Ferris took off, and I'm sure she's grateful to you to this day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the cast really is phenomenal in this, and um, I think it's a very character-driven story. I mean, this is an actor's film. I think it's strong because of a lot of reasons, but mostly because of the performances that Translate under the screen in this. I mean, as an extremely strong female lead in um, in Angela uh, Bettis, it has a really strong female arc, especially for the old early two thousands. It touches on some lesbian vibes, like hardcore that I don't think you really get a lot of in those days. Maybe in like the L Word or something, but I think it was just kind of ahead of its time. And uh, the the, the performance really carry this movie.
1: Yeah, the lesbian vibe. I totally forgot how prevailing it is in this film i I just totally forgot that it was so like bold and in your face the lesbian vibes the gay vibes which i totally appreciated because like you said angela bettis and um anna ferris together i feel like are electric they have such a good chemistry together on screen that it really just it played very well very well yeah
0: yeah caitlin you've um you've played a lot of strong roles you played a lot of queer roles um you've or you've had a chance to kind of play a diverse cast of characters in your time. Um, And so this is a very like female driven film, uh, which the female story is right in the forefront. What did you think of like upon your first viewing, how did you come away from this movie? How did it leave you feeling?
2: I, my favorite part of the movie was Angela Bettis for sure. Um, I think she's incredible. Um, She, she was so uncomfortable to watch. I was so I was so uncomfortable and like I am somebody that has anxiety so just like watching her go through all of this stuff like my anxiety was like freaking out because I she's just she's just so she's just so uncomfortable so she, I mean she was definitely my favorite part of the movie.
0: I think her big uh, one thing of worth acknowledging with Angela Bettis like the the my favorite takeaway from the character of May is that she is not afraid to be unappealing or ugly on camera or like Angela Bettis just dives into a role and whatever it takes, no matter how gritty or uncomfortable or um, physically unattractive that role needs to be, she doesn't care. She gives her all to a performance and you really see that on display in May.
2: The nuances were pretty incredible and like the body language and everything and watching that shift throughout the movie was a lot of fun to watch as well.
0: I literally wrote down, like, she's so good in the role that literally every line out of her mouth is a separate note for me because of Mm -hmm. her vocal tones and how she holds herself and, like you said, her mannerisms and everything. and I don't know. She's she's just so good at playing that kind of role. It's a standout performance.
1: I've always thought, I've always said she should have gotten an Oscar nomination for this film. I, I know that back in 2002, she did get a few critic award nominations, um, but she much she deserved an Oscar nomination uh for this film. I will always say that you know it's one of the horror performances that has been snubbed by the Academy, and I'm still confused why she's not better known. Like she's a, an amazing actress.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. When I was watching this, I I I had never seen her before. Like maybe in a uh, Girl Interrupted, but I don't I don't remember seeing her. I don't think, and I I was confused by that as well. I was watching her, and I was like, oh my god, this woman is amazing. Um, and so I went to her IMDB and I'm like, she's, she's in all, she needs to be in more stuff. She's incredible. Yeah, She's
0: always really clung to the, the, the indie film. She's never, I think really, um, made it a point to attach herself to bigger productions and maybe that's intentional. You know, she often just takes an indie route. I know she recently was in a film. It was kind of, uh, it had been a break for her. I'm trying to think of the title. I really should, uh, seek this out, but I know she recently did a movie set in a hospital,
1: um oh yeah um I know what you're talking about um yeah t- 24 hour um uh,
2: 12 hours something
1: like 12 that? hour shift some of them well something like that yeah,
0: yeah 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 she was yeah it's just good to see her back because i she's one of those people she'll pop up now and then and she'll receive a lot of praise and attention and then she kind of just goes back and does her thing so I respect that I respect the board what a good cast.
1: Yeah. And I mean, her, and I just, we'll get, we'll get on with the movie, but I just got to say, yeah, her, the made for TV remake of Carrie's pretty meh, but she is, um, she's incredible in the role. Oh, yeah. Uh, It it blows Chloe Grace Moritz out of the water. Oh, yeah. And And what I liked about her performance in Carrie versus what Chloe Moritz did is, she did not try to copy Sissy Spacek. She did her own thing with the character where you could tell like Chloe Grace Morris was trying to copy Sissy Spacek. It was, it, she the 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 quirks that she brings to her Carrie character much like she does with the May character just made it that much more appealing and, and watchable. Like you can't take your eyes off of her when she's on screen. She's always doing something with her face or with her body that's just, you, you just want to watch her. But yeah, the, the film starts with Actually, it starts with like a foreshadowing or a flashback because it starts with her screaming with holding her eye, bleeding. Um, kind of a jarring way to start a film because you're like, what the hell? But then it basically goes to her childhood and we find out that she has a lazy eye as a little girl. I have to tell you something right now, like
0: diving into this. I don't know if you know this. I'm sure you do because I still have it to a certain extent. But as a child, I had a severe lazy eye, and the exact same kind of lazy eye that May has. So, inst- Did you wear a pirate's patch? I ha- well, yes. Listen, this is this is. I mean, this movie. I forgot how much it resonated with me because, like, I remember the lazy eye aspect to a, like a certain extent, but. I didn't remember how prevalent it was. And so when I was seven, and then again, I had another surgery in the fifth grade, I had two cosmetic surgeries to construct my eye because my mother was like, you have a severe lazy eye and he will be made fun of severe, really badly if we don't do something about it. So my mom was thoughtful enough to get corrected, but I did it in between the surgeries to get my eye to f- like readjust properly because they like took the eye out, cut the muscle, sewed it back together, put it back in. I had to wear... Um, Eye patch and then i had to wear special uh, glasses during this time frame yeah and so i still have like a bit of a lazy eye and so the moment i saw like that eye i was like oh god yeah i forgot how much this uh this resonates with me you know
1: so you were may you were may as a kid i was May. (laughs) more ways than one (laughs) but yeah so her mother makes her wear this pirate patch and, and sends her to school. And, of course, the kids are, oh, are you a pirate? I feel bad for her because, they, you know, she, she doesn't have any friends. And it's her birthday. And she obviously, I think the purpose of showing this scene was, A, to show that, like, this is a little girl's birthday and nobody's there uh, at her party. And, B, because her mother gives her the creepiest fucking doll I've ever seen in my life. And it's in a glass box to top it off.
0: She's not even allowed allowed to touch it. The mom's like, here, I got you this. Don't take it out. (laughs) Susie. Susie. Caitlin, you could do a really good, a really good Susie-like cosplay. Like you, Caitlin, (laughs) because you're so porcelain white. You just need, like, bright blue contacts.
2: (laughs) I just have a creepy look on my face the whole time. That doll was terrifying. Also, her mother was terrifying. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, the mom definitely was like, had some, in the little brief uh, like amount of time that we see her, it's very clear the mom has some weird, like, obsessive things about yes. her. Like, even how the father responded to her. I'm sure this all plays into the fact that, you know, now Maya's grown woman is completely unstable,
1: yes. you know? Yeah, because there was the scene where she's unwrapping the, 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 the doll and the mother's like, oh, you've ruined it. Yeah, because apparently she didn't like the way she was unwrapping the present. Which, like, what difference does it make? You're just taking wrapping paper. The mother like yanked it away from her and un- unwrapped the present herself. So yeah, there was some issues there with the mother. The mother was kind of not playing with the full deck, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> not many people in this movie are, I would say. No. no. Okay. The, yeah, we're gonna get there because the characters in this movie are fucking just. I... All of them are batshit. They're all Yeah. <laughs>
0: but so we um we jump into a a period of may's life now which is i guess you know so supposed to be present at the time um and and you see that she's really evolved into a very (sighs) socially off individual she's talking to that doll like having full-on conversations with her I mean, as we all do, though, as we all do. Caitlin, you talk to your cats. I know it.
2: I talk to my cats. There's <laughs> one right there. You guys can't see there? There's two.
0: <laughs> but um, yeah, she's she's pretty. It's pretty quick, and it's pretty clear to to um make it obvious that May has not aged normally. She's very stunted in a lot of aspects of her life. Her socialization skills, sexually, how she just interacts with people. She's obviously deprived of having any kind of close relationship with anyone. And because of that, she's very yearnful for it. And that's her main focus of the film,
1: is, is looking for somebody who kind of completes that for her. Yeah, yeah. While well, she's having the conversation, she's, uh, she's making an outfit while she's having a conversation with this doll. And we find out that she is very giddy and excited because she quote unquote met somebody and she's going on a date with him which basically means she saw a guy she thought was cute. She didn't talk to him. She, she just sat and stared at him uh, creepily for like an hour and now she's telling the doll "Oh, I'm going on a date with this guy. I met a boy and I'm so and she's all giddy about him like you didn't even talk to him. Like what what are you doing May? What are you doing? Basically
2: stalking him. That's, that's a date, date night for her. May is stalking the guy that she thinks is cute
0: she doesn't understand like the courting rituals and how they even go like and you see this throughout the whole process of the movie as well like she does not understand how to convey like attraction to somebody or how to like establish parameters with people that's another big problem she has she doesn't understand boundaries (laughs) at all so so may struggling uh with all the basics, but um, she's really taken a fancy to a guy who we eventually
1: find out. Yeah. She has not even actually had a conversation with at this point. And she just, and she loves his hands. She loves his hands. That's his all hand. she can talk about is how gorgeous his hands are, uh, which becomes very cringeworthy here in a few more scenes. Uh, it does just, but so, yeah, we know, we know there's obviously something not right with her, but what I do want to say is I still find her, very appealing for some reason. Like I, I, I find I don't find the character like even though we we kind of know that she's weird within the first couple minutes of the film, I'm 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 still kind of charmed by her. Uh, and I think I think Angela Bettis brings a lot of that to the performance. But it's not like I'm like oh god, this is I don't want to watch this girl. I, I I you start to care about her. You start to care about her, and because we know. Her life obviously has had to have been very difficult based on what we saw in the opening scene and just how socially awkward she is. So it's it's sort of like, a, I keep going back to it, but it's sort of like a character. She's a basically like a Carrie character, which is ironic since she did play Carrie. But it's it's a very similar type of character where the character inherently becomes bad. But we as the audience, I st- still feel like we have a deep connection. And um, so what I'm looking for, just... Connection, to, Yeah, connection to the character. She's very misunderstood, and
0: we see that, but the people around her don't necessarily understand the why. The people around her are
1: just shitty fucking people.
2: People around her, honestly, like the whole time I was watching this movie, I, the people around her are just predators that want something from her and are just taking advantage of her.
1: They're taking advantage of the fact that they know that she craves attention and friends, and she wants yeah. that. And they are taking, yeah, you're right. They're taking full advantage of it. Um, And, and we'll get there. Mm-hmm. So she is getting contact lenses to fix this lazy eye, which was a cool scene because she's even telling the eye doctor about this guy that she's going on a date with on Friday. I'm like, what? Where? She's, she She blatantly tells the eye doctor, I have a date on Friday. Is my eye going to look better by then? And I want to know, did Angela Bettis really do that with her eye? I was wondering the same thing. I mean, if she did again, she should have got an Oscar for that alone. Uh, for that alone, a moment, Oscar.
2: There's got to be
0: some kind of prop contact or something. I don't know. I was wear. like,
2: maybe, yeah. What if it
0: doesn't go back? Like, what if, she, <laughs> what if she's filming like that and she's like, I can't get
2: it back?
1: <laughs> because Ugh. she full on for like five minutes of this film has a lazy eye that is, and I'm like, is she really doing that? Like, how do you teach yourself to do that? It's really uncomfortable. and, and keep, keep it like that. But she gets contacts, and it fixes her lazy eye. And then she is blatantly stalking this guy. Now she finds out where he works. He works at a mechanic shop, and she is eating her lunch. She like takes her lunch breaks in front of his, in front of his mechanic shop, so she can watch him. And she's just eating the sandwich, all seductively watching him. Oh, <laughs>
0: she's eating a chili dog. And I have never related to anybody in a film more than Angela Bettis sitting at a picnic table eating a chili dog while wearing those like after eye (laughs) surgery. Like you get those eye drops and you get those special sunglasses and they're like askew on her face because she's just so awkward. And she's just (laughs) watching this man eating this chili dog, just drooling over him. I'm like, Angela, I see you. I've never seen anyone as clearly as I see you right now. I don't
1: blame, I don't blame (laughs) her. I don't blame her because early 2000s, Jeremy Sisto was ace. I mean, he is a gorgeous man. He's, he's got like young John Travolta vibes mm-hmm. for days. Mm-hmm. So I don't, blame her, I don't blame her. I don't blame her. I don't blame me at all. Um, yeah, I mean, He was in Wrong Turn. Remember he was in Wrong
0: He was, yeah. 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 He was sexy in that too. I've, he's always had such a charming presence on camera. He's another one. You know, we talk about Angela Bettis. And we're like, why don't we see them more often? I've always been baffled as to how and why Jeremy Sisto hasn't been more of like a breakout presence because he's so natural mm-hmm. on camera. And like, he plays a creep kind of a creep in this movie but I've seen him play the opposite of it and he's great at playing likable characters too so I think that's almost why this character at first you don't know whether or not you're supposed to like him or dislike him and then as it goes on you're like oh I see who he is you know but he does have a charming presence on camera
1: Um, and I just think he's really good to fucking look at but I mean I (laughs) he is a creep but but May does herself no favors with him at all, uh, no. I, I if she would have <laughs> did things a little differently, I think could have been you know they could have been good, but she did herself no favors at all. She's uh, she gets a little ahead of
0: herself. I feel <laughs> is, <laughs> is is her May's big biggest fault is she just jumps right from point A to point Z. Yeah. with anybody <laughs> she meets, she doesn't take any time in getting to know someone right away. She's putting her head in people's hands and, you know, I don't know, biting people, you know, you got to ease into the weird and, and, and she doesn't get that. And which is sad, but you know what? There's one character who I think is genuinely intrigued, like really intrigued by May's weirdness. Um And the relationship is so weird because of it is, is Anna Ferris's Polly who. Which
1: works. With. We meet in the next scene. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We, we because it- Angela or May Angela Bettis May 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 she works at an animal hospital which again I kind of related to because I that was one of my first jobs I worked in an animal hospital yeah you are May I am May too we're all May (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I can tell you something, you know, when Anna, when Angela Bettis was telling the scene coming up when she was telling him about a experience she had in the animal hospital, I was like, oh, God, I got stories, too. I got stories, too, I could tell about working in an animal hospital because I did it because I loved animals and I wanted to be a vet. But after working there for a year, I was like, nope, nope. But we are introduced to Polly, played by the beautiful Anna Ferris, who I have to say her wardrobe in this movie is ace, Oh my, especially considering where she works. <laughs> she well, I know. She works at this little hole in the wall, like animal <laughs> hospital, run by this, what is he, like a Russian guy that oh can barely speak English. And she's <laughs> and decked out every time she's at work, she's wearing like these skin tight, beautiful uh, dresses and uh,
2: crop top one,
0: one of the reasons I also thought Caitlyn was good for this. I was like God Caitlin's really gonna like Faris's wardrobe <laughs> because
2: it's all just like it's like it was happening, and I was like, why is she why is she dressed like that? What is happening? how <laughs> do I get a like the job there?
1: <laughs> I mean, there is a scene where she is literally la- wearing like a white blouse with this black leather skirt, and has like these knee high black leather boots. On. I'm like, bitch, you're a receptionist at an animal hospital. What are you? And her hair's always beautiful. Yes. But I love, I love her character so much. Although I have to say, I mean, she is she does treat May like a piece of shit. But I'll do. I just love her character. She's so just charming and. Again, screen presence for Miles. Oh, yeah. I love, you know, the first time we're introduced to her, she's asking May what a scoople is. What's a scoople? Because she can't understand the guy that the veterinarian, and he's saying scalpel, but he pronounces it scoople. But May knows right away what she's talking this about. This
0: is a, a running joke, by the way, that I love. It is, is like every time, like you're in the animal hospital with Anna Ferris, this is Polly character. She's gonna have like a line about something where she completely misunderstood what something was, and um, oh my god, there's one that she says about like a cat where like <laughs> oh, oh yeah, she yeah, says yeah. um she says uh Doctor Saccorzium needs you. To do a Focasimum on the Miskete. Which is like like the way she <laughs> says it is just Anna Ferris is such a way of like delivering dialogue that's just is so like airy and bubbly and breathy and it works so well with this character. Uh she really it's like shines in this role. And one thing I do wanna acknowledge is even though all the characters in this use May, I think that Faris is Character is. I almost look like as like a polyamorous kind of personality. I don't know if I so much look at it as using May as just like that's how she is. You know, like she's yeah. she's basically a gay man in a lesbian's body.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, that's what I was thinking. Bec- and we'll get to we'll get to why we say that, but it, very much I was thinking the same thing. And it's very ref- it's very refreshing to see a female a, a lesbian character because in this film Anna Ferris is a lesbian that. Is so like confident with her sexuality, um, and is like you said what you would traditionally think of of as a gay man, where you have she's just interested in having sex. Like she she has a high sex drive. That's what she wants. She has makes no qualms about it. She basically at one point tells you know May hey she's just a piece of ass. Like I'm not I how can I pass that up? I'm not passing that up. Uh, So you don't see that sort of portrayal very much at all. So it was really cool to see that. And again, Anna, Fa- Anna Faris as a seductress lesbian—I'm here for it. I am here for it.
2: First line when she started delivering dialogue because I had no idea what I was in for um, watching this movie. Um, when she started, I was—I was so jarring to me because I've never seen her in a character like this. I've never seen her in a role like this. Um, but I, I also really liked her. I thought it was—it was a—it was, was fun. It was a fun change.
0: Yeah, and I also like—I forget that for scary movie when she did the scary movie films to make her f- feel more Neve na- Campbell like they dyed her hair dark she's naturally a blonde so seeing her with this dark hair was also like oh my gosh that era when she came out and that's what, how she was known because she looks very convincing as a brunette she's someone who can do both colors very well she's like a, a Cameron Diaz they can do any
1: color they look good um yeah yeah, she is naturally blind. And like I said, when I when I saw Lovers Lane back in 99, she's blonde in that she's her. And so I saw her. It was scary movie when I saw a scary movie. I'm like, oh, my God, she looks so familiar. And then I'm like, oh, my God, that's the girl from Lovers Lane that I said was going to be a star. Yay me. But I, I think she's she's gorgeous in, in this film. Yeah, this is one of her probably best performances, even though it's not like a there's not a lot of depth to the performance. It's it's pretty one note but it's just so charming and she she's so magnetic um it's mm-hmm. really definitely yeah. mm-hmm. um she gets her contacts and now her lazy eye is fixed so she gets to show her doll <laughs> this fucking this fucking doll <laughs> that doll becomes more and more prevalent as the
0: movie goes on and it is just only more and more uncomfortable um and it, the whole like thing with like this whole concept of breaking glass the case that the doll is in. It, it, it is a consistent throughout the movie. And you notice right away, right off the bat, that there's already a crack that started in the top left-hand corner of the glass. And I, this glass is super symbolic in so many ways. As the movie goes on, the cracking of the glass is very symbolic. So um, I, I really think this relationship between her and the doll is Weird. It's weird. Uh, she should be talking to somebody regarding this, but uh, it's her only friend. And so she can't wait to tell her about these contacts.
1: And after that, again, we get the major stalker vibes from May because she has basically timed it so that she is walking across the street at the same time as this guy that is her love interest. Or she wants to be her love interest, who's Jeremy Sisto's character. So she has timed it. So they're walking across the street at the same time. And she's supposed to, I guess, she wants him to see her. But right as they pass, he lights a cigarette and doesn't see her. And she's all upset about that. She kind of scuttles away. And it's just like the lengths that she's going to to try to meet this guy Right away, you know, there's some issues. It's
0: very desperate. It's very desperate. And Caitlin, you're like, um. I know that you've played some roles that are very like internal in your head. You know what I mean? As an actress, I know that you've gotten to play roles like May, where a lot of the storytelling that you've had to tell has been in your face and been in your body language. And I think the biggest areas of Angela Bettis's performance that like shine the most are when you see like what's going on behind her eyes and not so much in her dialogue, because she's performing the entire time you see her on camera. What do you normally, to get into a role like that, what do you have to dive into as an actress to get there?
2: Honestly, I'm just a really empathetic person, um, and I think that carries over well as an actor. A lot of times I really just imagine what it would be like to be that person. Uh, I'd like to think that Angela Bettis is also very good at uh, empathizing with people just based on her performance in May, because I mean that I feel like that kind of things comes from empathizing with people.
0: Yeah, exactly. I agree with that, because I think that's why she's so comfortable playing the outcasts and the like if you look at her, her lineup of roles. Like the ones that we mentioned, you have Carrie, you have May, you have her performance uh, as of the burn victim in Girl Interrupted. She's very willing to take on emotionally damaged or um, fragile roles. And I think it takes a certain mentality to be able to tackle that kind of material, you know, um, and do it justice and not make it over the top or a parody of mental illness, you know. Um, But she does a great job and it evolves as the film goes on. It really evolves. But yeah, so she, um, she basically uh, decides that she's – every time you kind of see her trying to pursue Adam, which is Jeremy's sister's character, um, it, it isn't really working. So she always kind of steps up her game and you finally start to see her working on um, a piece of wardrobe with this red fabric. You see her like actually getting into her sewing machine and working on this top – um, that you eventually gets revealed to be this like crop top in which she's obviously not wearing a bra and she's strutting and her like little boobies are bouncing and she looks all into it and confident. <laughs> but before that scene, there is also a moment with a guy who brings his <laughs> dog in and he has this piece of dialogue where he's like, "I left for vacation." My dog <laughs> had all of its legs. When I came home, it only had three. I can't find <laughs> the other leg. <laughs> it's, it's so random, but I love that It scene. is
1: random <laughs> as fuck. Yeah, I was...
0: <laughs> there's one little moment. There's one little moment with him again, but then it's never, you never know what exactly happened. But you get all these like awkward little scenes spliced in between that give the characters so much life. Um, And that leads into this moment where she crafts this top and she's strutting up um, after Jeremy Sisto, after Adam, and she follows him into this coffee shop. And she finally, like, pursues him. She's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to win him over. And I mean, she does it. (laughs) her, Her means of going about doing it are a little bold,
1: to say the least. Yeah. She's watching him. He's reading a book. She gets up, she walks over by his table and she's acting like she's putting like creamer in her coffee, watching him and he, what's he do? He falls asleep. <laughs> he falls asleep, but he, he does it in this awkward position so that his hand is like up. He's like leaning on one hand and his other hand is like just kind of propped up on the table. And she proceeds to go over to him and <laughs> it's so uncomfortable to watch. She starts to rub her cheek and face against his hand and it's so prolonged and uncomfortable and you're like waiting for him to wake up to and see what she's doing but it's their dra- they're <laughs> yeah they're they're dragging it out the score is like D-d-d-d-d-d-d-d-d. it's like tense
0: it's so un- everything about it <laughs> Caitlin, have you ever had something like this happen where you've, I don't know, unknowingly had someone touching you and you've, have you ever passed out and woken up to find somebody?
2: (laughs) Probably. I probably have. I've probably blocked it out because, like, if I woke up and, like, somebody was rubbing their hand in, like, on their face, like, I I, I would try to block that out. (laughs) I feel like for me that's really, really traumatizing and I feel like I get traumatized (laughs) really easily Um, so yeah I'm sure I have I'm sure I've just like blocked it out I probably still I I probably still speak to the person that has done something weird to me I'm sure of it
0: well let's hope after this this episode that happens so we can add that story to the record book Um, (laughs) because yeah it is horribly awkward it is probably more cringy than any violence you see in the movie (laughs) to be honest
1: it is but he wait, He does wake up and catches her, and uh, he's like looking at her, and she backs up and she falls on her ass, and he's like, "What are you doing?" And she just gets up and runs away. I mean, a perfect introduction to your new love interest. <laughs> um,
0: have you ever had anyone though? Like I know you've got Caitlin, you've got a ton of fans and followers on social media. Have you? What's the cringiest thing that anyone's ever done to try to try to win your love, win win your attention?
2: I get a ton of just weird and bizarre messages in my social media, uh, in, like, my DMs, um, just, like, I don't know, just, like, people can say really bizarre things, and it's not just men, because I've had, I've had women say really bizarre things to me as well. I won't go into details, because, like, I don't want, I don't want somebody to listen to this and be, like, embarrassed that they said some of these things to me, but, like, Oh, I get some weird messages and some weird requests. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, those DMs, you got to be careful with those. <laughs> so back at the she goes back to the, she obviously runs back to work or it's the next day because she's at work and she is sitting in a room like stabbing herself with a scalpel, cutting her finger with a scalpel and just not just nonchalantly and it's bl- it's bleeding and Polly walks in and sees that it's happening and she's like what are you doing <laughs> I'm going to be honest I've been working on my Anna Faris impersonation
0: specifically for this episode because she has a very specific style of talking you know what I mean like Anna Faris has a one sound to her it doesn't matter what role she's playing she's always great but she's always like Oh, wow. What are you doing with that <laughs> <laughs> and, then she, and then she's like, Oh, it's kind of sexy. Huh? <laughs> like, you know, she, she'll like giggle. Like her giggles and her like little like audible laughter to herself throughout this movie. It's great. I love her. She's the best. She's so good in this role. But then so at first she's like creeped out by what she sees her doing. But then she makes... She like makes May like stab her too, and she ends up finding it really sexy, which kind of shows that you
1: know she. She's going kind of Yeah. Well, no, May May actually stabs her without her asking because <laughs> right. she's like, "Why did you do that? for you <laughs> <Right>. crazy, bitch?" <laughs> and then she's like but I kind of
0: like you crazy bitch like oh my god I love her yeah uh, and her like big eyes like her reactions to everything are so exaggerated she's so great she's also she's in a movie I just have to say it anyone who's listening to this Anna Faris is in the movie Smiley Face if you haven't seen it do yourself a fucking favor. It's about a girl who eats an entire tray of weed brownies and goes out oh my and God. explores LA. And it's worth your oh time. God. It's worth your time.
1: But um. But yeah, back to May. <laughs> this is when the guy brings the dog leg back. Like we get a shot oh, yeah. of a, the, the dog's severed leg and he's like, oh, I found it in the garden. <laughs> And he's like, "Can you sew it back on?" And May is like, "Uh, "Yeah, I can." (laughs) But we don't know. Did she sew it back on? What What happened? Because that's the end of it. That's the last. Well, I think it was like
2: trying to show that she may have some skills that will could be useful in the long run. Well,
0: and and it's also showing that she's not like fully conceiving the fact that just sewing dead limbs onto things is going to like, you know be able to survive because that dog will yeah. get blood poisoning and that limb will fall off um but it doesn't seem but to phase she her. could do, she it. Can do it nonetheless yeah.
2: she can do it
0: and thus the story really begins
1: <laughs> <laughs> it does because now she's at the laundromat and this is when she runs into adam and they actually have their first sort of conversation and she's so awkward like he is oh realizes, yeah, he realizes he runs out of laundry detergent. and She's like, here, you can use, you can use me, mine. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she hands him a scoop and she like spills it all over him. And he's like, oh, thanks. And then she just stares. She she literally stares at him and doesn't say a word for like 30 seconds. She's just smiling at him and gawking at him. And he's like, "Uh, yeah, can I help you? And she's like, I just love your hands. They're so beautiful. Very
2: bold. That is a very bold statement from to somebody that she just met.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he seems put off by it, but strangely intrigued, Um, as I suppose you would be with that kind of attention. Um, Everyone likes getting hit on. Like let's be real. And with her eyes not wonky and even despite her strange appearance, she's still a cute little thing. Super she's cute like her. a button.
2: Yeah. So super cute. yeah, so
0: he's like, "Oh, this is awkward yet pleasant girl is giving me attention." And so he kind of runs with it a little bit and he plays, you know, he, he, he hits the ball back in her direction.
1: Yeah, he takes her out to smoke. And um she doesn't smoke, but she does now, apparently. Uh, for him. This
2: was so uncomfortable to watch. Watching her try to light up that cigarette was just so, like, everything that she was doing with her mouth and her hands and everything, I was just, I, uh, it was, I mean, she's got a lot of, like, cringy moments, but this was, this was a lot.
1: Yeah. Well, they go back into the laundromat and they're getting their, um, they're getting their clothes out of the dryer and he's getting ready to leave and she sees he has race car underwear a little race car tidy whities and he's like oh she's like race cars and he's like yo yeah my girlfriend bought it for me and her demeanor changes like that like like that sullen just sullen she just ha- sinks ha- she's like oh
2: won't make eye contact with him
1: she's all fr- frowning and frumping yeah and he's he starts to walk away and he turns around and he's like, oh, I met my ex-girlfriend. And then she just beat, she's beaming again, smiling and batting her eyes at him. And he gives her cigarettes and tells her, here, you you got to practice. And these cigarettes become a- another sort of just symbolic thing throughout the movie. This pack of cigarettes that he gives her. Mm-hmm. Cause she's so um,
0: kind of focused on wanting to impress him. And um, really, I they, they- To me, they symbolize the whole fact of how far she's willing to go to, in a lot of ways, change herself for these other, these shitty people to accept her um, and welcome her into their lives and her willingness to take on this habit of smoking, which is gross. Um, It just, um, it's it's sad. It's honestly sad how willing she is to be like, just drop everything and, and change herself for this guy. But it shows what people do when they're lonely,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah. She's going back to her apartment, talking to herself in the elevator. She's basically rehashing conversations that they had to herself in the elevator. Yeah, And then she goes as far as to sleep with the pack of cigarettes. (laughs) Well, and she even
0: says like, she's like reciting the dialogue back to herself of the combo. And she's like, see you around, like, see you around, which is something anybody would say to any average person. And she's so taken and smitten with it. And it just it just goes to show just how little she's had in the sense of uh, love and flirtation and romance. She just doesn't grasp it.
1: No, she does not at all. And it just gets kind of, I mean, their encounters just start to get more and more like intense. And I, I feel uncomfortable, but, but for, yeah, I mean, but for (laughs) some reason, you know, he still is, is, you know, is trying to entertain her. Um, because the next scene is the the one you're talking about where they're back at the veterinarian hospital and and Polly's character is like, you know, the fecal exam on Miss Kitty. But when <laughs> Mae walks into work right away, you can tell that her whole... Uh, she's so much happier. She's her, There's pep in her step. Even Polly's character is like, oh, well, look at you, Miss Happy. What got you so happy? Uh, and we know it's because she met Adam, but there's no indication that he... Wanted any you know anything to do with her, but in her mind, she's already like painting this relationship and what 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 they're going to be. But they literally bumped into each other at the laundromat. Uh, this is how much this girl craves a- attention, and it's really sad to watch because unfortunately, there are people like this. um You know that can't. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Or misinterpret things with people, mm-hmm. and it ends mm-hmm. up bad. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, I think the thing that's really kind of like, well, just, just sad and unfortunate about this is it's none of her fault. You know, when you, the little bit we see of her upbringing and everything, this stems mostly from the fact that she's just a lonely person and, and it's, it's not coming from a selfish place so much as I think just a desire to, be loved. She has nobody. And so it's easy to sympathize with her, even when her tactics are, you know, not necessarily the most sane or normal, but like you said earlier, Caitlin, she's an anti-hero. And, and even as the movie progresses, you still feel for her.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. There was never a moment in this movie when I was, when I wanted her to fail. Like I, I, I always wanted her to succeed in what she was doing.
0: Like we said earlier, it's this is definitely a good for you girl
2: movie. Yeah. <laughs> even if it
0: even if it ends up on a kind of a dark note, good for you, girl.
2: Yeah, good for you, girl. Good for you. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, so um, she eventually ends up going on like a, a first date, first date with
1: Adam. Well, she 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 bumps into him crossing the street because again, remember she's t- she has timed when he every basically every move he makes she has she knows what he's doing so she makes sure she you know she meets him out on his lunch break and crosses the street and she bumps into him and she doesn't say he doesn't she doesn't say a word to him like he's like it's really awkward yeah he's like hey may and she's just like grinning it's at just him stares. and he's like do you want to go get some lunch being nice so they go, and he he has a sandwich, and he cuts a sandwich, and shares a sandwich with her. And he, you know, he's asking about her. What do you do? And she's like, Oh, I work at a uh, an animal hospital. And he's like, Oh, that's interesting. I bet that can be pretty um like gross. Or she says most people think it's gross. And he's like, Yeah, I can imagine it will be. She's like, Tell me a story about you know something that's happened. So she proceeds to tell him this story about a dog that had surgery but the veterinarian hospital had run out of like sutures that were suitable for dogs so they used cat sutures doubled up on cat sutures so the owner took the dog home and got home from work one day and the dog was laying in the backyard with its guts hanging out and guts strewn upon the yard and she, But the way she's telling it, she's almost like... She's unfazed.
2: She's smiling. She's smiling and she's eating the sandwich through this scene. And it was so uncomfortable to watch. Yeah and he like as she's explaining that and
1: I love the look he's, he gives her
0: yeah because at a certain point he's like this is so much more than I fucking bargained for like he's like tell me a story and I think he was expecting it to be like kind of gross and she gives him the most detailed elaborate story possible and she tells it completely straight face the entire time she's so calm and serene and almost enjoying it it's very weird
2: yeah almost enjoying look it look is
1: priceless though the yeah. look that he gives her is, after she tells the story is fucking priceless it's, it's so funny um, And then they see the, the kids, the kids playing in, in at the playground. And she asks him why they're touching everything. Because we see the kids are touching each other, touching trees. And we find out that these are blind kids from the daycare center that's close by. And there's a lot of them.
2: There are a lot of them. There's a lot.
1: I know.
0: I was like, how many... There must be something wrong with the, the, have, the because water because or something. Whole f- <laughs> because like... how. Yes. yes, there's a whole yeah, it's, field. It's got to be
2: the water. It's got <laughs> something in the water messes with their eyes.
0: Yes, and that's why there's about thirty blind children in this yes. summer camp. But um, what one wh- one thing I like about this moment is the scene wraps up, and you're almost left with a, I don't say like a ray of hope, but you almost feel like oh, they're connecting because he turns to her and he says, "Well, I guess you can say your job takes a lot of guts." Like, even though she told this really repulsive story and he was kind of, like, put off by it, he still, like, is able to, like, throw out a little joke. And she takes that very obviously takes that as, like, oh, he gets me. He understands me. And it's just one more, one more reason to make everything that much sadder as it develops.
1: Yeah. And there's the moment where he's, like, I have to go. And she's, like, don't go. It's kind of sad and desperate. And he's, like, what? And she doesn't repeat herself, thank God. But she. He does say, you know, can we see each other again? And she's like, yes, tonight, tonight, like, let's do it. So, yeah, you do feel like, okay. so this guy seems like a pretty nice guy. Um, He's he seems like he kind of is into her a little bit or at least understands her and kind of is charmed by her awkwardness because the little glances and little grins he gives her throughout this whole scene or when they like when they first met, you really do get the idea that, yeah, he knows that she's pretty socially you know not all there in terms of her interaction with people but he, I think he's charmed by it because he even tells her he likes weird people here in the in the scene upcoming with them but, but before they go out on their date she gets some advice <laughs> from her doll she gets she asks Susie, yeah. Susie and we don't hear anything Susie saying but she's like yes okay yeah I'll do that <laughs> it's like okay oh man
0: But the way they, like, it's so weird over the course of this movie. The whole presence of the doll, and even up to the end, which I think you guys will understand where I'm going with this. The doll, she has these conversations with the doll. She's talking to the doll as though it's responding. And then you have these moments where you see the glass, like, cracking and breaking and shattering. And she's hearing this audio, and it's almost got this, like, supernatural kind of element to it. And... The only reason I really say that or lean on that at all is considering how the movie ends, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like there is definitely a hint, just a whisper of a supernatural vibe to this movie. And I I love that because they don't lean in it too heavily, but like there's definitely something going on with the doll. You know, there's definitely something with the doll, something more with the doll, and that carries through to the very final moment in the film
2: so i actually when i was watching it i never felt that it was a supernatural thing i always thought that it was just in her head that was just how i perceived it yeah i never i i never thought that it was super but i could see how you would i i could see how that could be perceived that way though yeah for sure
1: We'll get to the ending, but the ending leaves a lot of questions. It does. The ending yeah. leaves a lot of questions, and I guess can be interpreted several different ways, whether you do think sure, it's yeah. natural or do you think it was in her head. But Well and Caitlin, with what
0: you're saying really quick, there's something to acknowledge with that is that when you hear the cracking of the grass the the grass, when you hear the cracking <laughs> when you hear the cracking of the glass, <laughs> you um see shots of the glass like kind of cracking across like spider webbing across this glass panel but then it'll show moments where the cla- the glass is almost um gone back it's not as broken yes. as it yes. was
1: i well yeah, yeah. Yes. i noticed that especially in the when the scene where she takes it to the classroom yes. there's not a crack yeah in the glass, yeah so, so i do think yeah. that that's that is also symbolic of what you're saying caitlin and we
0: will touch on that more yeah. later but i just just because you presented that i think you're right when i say the supernatural thing i do think it's more of in her head but it's it's almost like the Dow takes on this whole separate entity
1: form in her world, in her universe. Oh, for
2: sure, yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. But their date is they—they apparently their big date is sitting in a car in his mechanic shop, <laughs> eating chips and salsa, <laughs> eating chips and salsa.
2: So romantic.
1: But he he does ask her. He's like, "What what were you doing to me at the restaurant?" <laughs> And she doesn't answer him. She just said, she does answer him. She does answer him. And it's kind of, she says, I feel so embarrassed, but I've never had a boyfriend. And right here, you're like, well, you don't have one now. Like, this isn't your boyfriend. This is like the second time you've you've seen this guy. So why are you talking about like boyfriend, like making it sound like rubbing your hand against his face in a restaurant makes him your boyfriend. It was just a really awkward thing. And then she's like, well, do you like me? Um, Or do you think I'm weird? And he's like, yeah, you're weird, (laughs) but I like weird. Uh, and it's kind of, again, it's very touching. It's a very touching moment because she's so happy, you know, and he does seem yeah. he does seem genuine um, to a point where, again, she tells him his hands are so beautiful. She's obsessed with his hands. But this is the moment where I, I got a little confused with this character because he immediately, I think he picks up on like how, what's the word, desperate that she is. Because he immediately says, "You want to go back to my place?" And I'm like, "Oh, dude, really, really?" Like,
2: yeah, that's. This is kind of when I was like, "Oh, this guy's a predator."
1: <laughs> he, well, and he knows that she's super into him, so go. They, yeah. they go back to his place, and they actually proceed to. Well, they find that he has this fake knife that they play with. It's very provocative. You know, he pushes it into her chest or she takes it and pushes it into her chest. And then she pushes it into his chest and gets closer and closer. It leads to their first kiss. And it ends up, obviously this girl hasn't had probably kissed anybody in her entire life. So she gets really into it and like pushes him into it, into it like his wall. And he gets kind of upset. It's like, who taught you how to kiss? And, the scene cuts, and she goes home. So obviously, I'm assuming that that ended their date.
2: Susie.
1: Susie, yeah.
0: Well, at the end of that, she turns and she's like, "Susie," like, like, which instantly makes me think that she and Susie like have s- hot makeout sessions. I, like, yeah, right. Her practicing kissing on <laughs> Susie, which is something I kind of wish they would show, but also I never actually want to see that visual in my eyes uh, or in my mind. Um, but, but to me, it implied that she and Susie had been making out just to make sure that, you know, everything was going to go okay. One thing I've got to say about this moment is you really start to see, I mean, she's she's off from the beginning, but you start to see just how vulnerable and naive this girl is around here um, and how, like you said, predatory some of these other characters are because of that. Because, um, I mean, it, it's... Maybe it's because now it's 2021 and it's been, you know, almost 20 years since this movie came out and we've seen a lot of evolution and how women are to be treated and how, how uh, they are to be respected and what is and is not acceptable. Mm -hmm. But I mean, yeah, this character, not only is her screw loose, but she's just, she's so vulnerable and she's so childlike in a lot of ways. Um, and she's so obviously damaged and, um, yeah, right about when you hear that line about going back to my place, you, you, the movie kind of, I don't say the movie takes a different tone, but at least his character and that story. I arc agree.
1: Does. I agree. I think that was the moment it, the, he recognized her vulnerability and that he could take advantage of it. And he fully tried to take advantage of it. And it sort of backfired for him. And at this particular instance, um, we'll talk about what happens later with him, but she is pissed. She goes home and she like yells at, fucking Susie she's like yeah who told me? and she punches the um her box that she's in and it cracks the glass even more so are, are we either we're led to believe like you said she's been making out with Susie or in her mind that Susie gave her instructions on like how to how to kiss uh, again I don't know
2: Te- technically she can't take Susie out of the case
1: Oh, that's right. Maybe she's kissing the glass.
2: Well, she also has all those other dolls, though.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. She has a room full of dolls. She does have a room
2: full of dolls. (laughs) I
0: mean, it is terrifying. That room is. We didn't really take enough time to talk about that. Yeah, it's
2: terrifying.
0: There's doll parts, doll heads. um,
2: Yeah, everywhere.
0: And there is, if you look on the glass, there is a kiss mark in, in lipstick. Uh, there is. and so Oh, so
2: maybe she was kissing Susie through the glass.
0: Which makes it that much more acceptable, I would say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at least it was through the glass. I mean,
1: that's more
0: normal, right? Kiss me through right. the
1: glass. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a song <laughs> called time. Kiss Me Through the Phone? We can make kiss me through the glass. Oh, my
0: God. The, uh, and the so song the next. ends the same way that the movie does. Uh, <laughs> but um, the, next, um, <laughs> the next scene we have is back at the veterinarian's this office. This is and <laughs> crazy. This
1: is crazy.
2: She's sad today. She's I, sad. I just want to
0: say that Anna Ferris in this scene specifically is serving a hint of Samantha James from Just Friends. Remember, have you seen the movie Just Friends where she plays like a Paris Hilton kind of character and she's, <laughs> it's her greatest role. She's she's like Anna Faris turned up to like 130. She's like cranked up as weird as she can get and like she's super sexual in this film. And so there's a few little moments in this in this dialogue here where she's really trying to seduce May. And she's even does that thing where she's like sucking on her thumb and everything, you know, she's just so sexual with May. It's so overtly sexual. And May is so caught up in everything else that's going on. She doesn't even recognize it
1: until
2: it goes right over, it her, goes head. over her head
0: until she just tells her. Yeah,
1: And she says it in the most seductive way. And it's like the most mundane thing you can think of doing with somebody. But Anna Ferris makes it sound sexy. Like I would do it. She's like, do you want to come watch me file? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> but she's, I, I would go do it. The way she said it, I'd be like, hell yeah, I'm going to come watch you Oh, fight. yeah. At the, the next scene, poor May is sitting in this file room with Anna Ferris looking bored to tears. And yeah, this is when Anna Ferris kicks it into high gear with this with her uh, yeah. sexuality. And she's like, come dance with me. We should start dancing. And she plays music and the dogs and shit start barking. and She's like, see, they want us to dance. And she proceeds to get on the table <laughs> and crawl in front of May, all seductive like. And she's like, oh, come dance with me. And May finally gives in and they get up and they're like sort of dancing, and she, Anna first, or Polly's character is like, Do you like pussy? <laughs> cats. <laughs> and, and May's like, what? May's like, what? Right away, May's like, what? She's like, cats. Do you like pussy cats? So,
0: <laughs> this whole scene is is uh it's great. And like they may they make her so seem so genuinely interested in May that it is enough to kind of distract her a pinch from Adam. But
1: here's the thing. Here's the thing. She at this point wants something from May, and what she wants from May is for May to take to take her cat, because her cat is her landlady found out she has a cat and she's going to be kicked out if she doesn't get rid of it. She asks May to keep her cat, and she's like, it, 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 "It'll remind you of me." And May's like, right away, "Okay, I'll take it." And all of a sudden, she's really happy. At that moment, though, she's like, "Okay, I got to go." She's like, "I'm going." I got to go to ladies. and So So I'm thinking is she only acted that like acted that way to get her to agree to take her cat because once she w- she turns around right away, it's like, you want to come?
2: Like, <laughs> yeah, she does invite her.
1: I but I think she I think she knows she's not going to go. Probably. I mean, you, we've all we've all done that. We know people we all have friends that we know if we invite them to do something, they're not going to do it. But we do it anyways to be nice. Like, I really think I can't see May like being this club chick. And I think Polly knows that. So she knows she's not going to go. She does it to be nice. But I I, because even when she I don't know if you caught it. It's very subtle. It's very subtle. When she turns around to May and says, do you want to go? She has this, you know, the grin on her face. And the minute says the minute May says no, she turns around and you can see her 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 facial expression go stone cold. Like, it's oh, very subtle, that. but I noticed it. Yeah, so I think she knew that she was just doing this to get um, May to do something for her. However, maybe I'm wrong because the interaction with them as the film progresses, it does seem like she's generally yeah. cares about yeah, May or is at least intrigued by her or she yeah. just wants to fuck her. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know, which is obvious too so it's it's like one of those things is this character like what are her intentions yeah. it's hard I mean, to and figure i think it's
0: out. almost it's intentionally vague because once it gets to a certain point as the story progresses um i don't think may cares um i think she sees no uh, i don't
2: yeah, think so. she either. sees
0: everything is kind of everyone is damaged everyone is uh is mm. a bunch of shitty parts basically
1: as she says and she's seeing the negative and everything
2: mm-hmm. she yeah. needs to make one perfect
1: yeah, because there's the point. Where's the point earlier in the film? I forgot to mention this: is May gets fixated on specific body parts of people. Yeah, and with Polly, Polly, she's fixated on her neck. Like very early in the movie, there's a scene where um, uh, May tells Polly, "You have a beautiful neck," which is again an awkward thing to to tell somebody. So, so May goes home instead of going out with girls' night out with Polly. She goes home and she leaves Adam this awkward message on his answering machine. And the answering machine, which is literally, please leave a message after the scream. Aah!
0: Like, it's this, like prolonged
1: blood curdling scream. I love it. <laughs> and yeah, she leaves this awkward message. that she, She's like, I don't know. It's weird. But she hangs up and then she proceeds to just stare at the phone like she is staring at the phone.
2: Yeah. Like she's waiting for uh-huh. him to call back. Like, that's how it happens. It's instantaneous like that.
1: She looks like a wounded puppy. It's so sad. Yes. And he doesn't call back. Yeah. And then we get a scene where um, it's basically sort of a, I don't want to say a montage, but kind of a montage of her trying to run into him again. She goes to the laundromat and she shuts all of the machines so that it looks like they're being used except the one next to her. And she's just sitting there, like, waiting for her to him to come to do his laundry. It's like, you're going to be waiting there. How do you? And then there's a scene where she's walking across the street and he's not there. So you're, you're wondering, is he avoiding her? What's going on? So what does she proceed to do? She goes to his house. She, go- oh! she goes to his house and stands on his porch, doesn't knock. But stands on for two hours. For two hours until he comes out. Yeah, and he apologizes. He's like, "I'm so sorry. I've been busy with my movie, finishing my movie." And he's, she's like, "Oh, you made a movie?" And he's like, "Yeah, just some college thing, but I finally finished it." And she asks if she can see it, which is charming. He's, she's like, "I'll make you some macaroni and cheese." (laughs) It's a date.
0: (laughs) Macaroni and cheese and Gatorade. Specifically, it's. Uh, In
2: wine glasses. It's
0: a winning combo in my book. Yes. Um, But we eventually get treated to viewing Adam's movie. And it's called... Which is a masterpiece. It's called Jack and Jill. (laughs) And uh, listen, Caitlin, we could say what we want, but you know, girl, you know that we've been in this movie so many times before.
2: This is... Well, I was going to say, also, I think I was in that movie, so...
0: (laughs) Jack, Jack and Jill literally consists of a couple... Who go to a picnic, sit down, look lovingly at each other, and proceed to like devour each other. Like they're biting off fingers, they're chomping into throats, and it's all like ch- obviously chocolate syrup. It's done on the cheap, um, but again, we've all been on that set. Um, <laughs> but and at the, as the as the as the film like progresses, May is like into it, and she like starts to like cuddle up. Into like Adam's arm, she's like enchanted with it. Oh, and she's loving it. She's, she's loving, it. loving yeah, it. she loves it. And she's loving it. And he, after it's wrapped up, he turns to her and he says, "What did you think?" And she says, "It was sweet." <laughs> sweet. And he's like sweet, <laughs> like the last word you'd use to describe this graphic depiction that they just watched.
1: But her only complaint, she does have a complaint. She does have a complaint. Remember. She's like my only complaint is I don't think she could have bit off his finger in just one bite.
0: That part was kind of far fetched. <laughs> yeah, not the not the
1: rest of it, but
2: <laughs> yeah. just that part. Just that.
0: You, yeah, you start to see uh, around this time. You also start to realize that May has like a complete um, disconnect between like pain and death, and like love and romance. Like there, there is a complete disconnect by how these things like are on two polar opposite sides of, or should be on the opposite sides of the spectrum. For some reason, like she's very drawn to uh, violence and blood and uh, gore. And she's not at all put off by it. In fact, it kind of like turns her on. And you start to see that here. You really start to see that she is aroused by blood and violence. It doesn't phase her.
1: No, they go to her. Actually, this is when they go to her bed. They're, they're going to have sex. Uh, He takes her to her bed and they're, they're making out and it's getting pretty passionate. He's taking his shirt off and feeling her up. And she's, you know, she doesn't really know how to react initially. She's, he's like, just, Hey, breathe, you know, calm down, just breathe. And they're kissing. And as she bites him on the lip, and causes him to bleed and he's of, of course taken aback he's like what the fuck and he backs up and she proceeds to like wipe her hands on his bloody lip and starts wiping it all over his her face
2: yeah it's it was pretty morbid <laughs>
1: yeah and he is like what are you doing and then she's trying to trying to kiss him and he's like what what the hell are you doing and she's like well it's just like your movie and he's like, you know what? I got to go. This is getting weird. And she's like, but I thought you liked weird. And he's like, no, not this weird. And he,
2: not, not this weird.
1: And he leaves. And he, well, even the fact
0: with like, with when she bites his lip, and, she, and he's obviously like taken aback by it, and he's wiping the blood away, and he looks at her and she's like rubbing herself with it. Like the fact that she would take such an extreme thing and think that's something they're like connecting over. Or when he says he likes weird, for her, that's like, that is her idea of like acceptable weird. That just goes to show just how, again, disconnected this girl is.
2: Um, I really loved her body language in this, this scene where um, she's trying to have sex with him because it kind of like she's just not used to touching other people. Like it's almost like she's afraid to like fully touch him. And it was just really uncomfortable. I know I keep using that word uncomfortable because the whole movie I'm sitting there and I'm just like, uncomfortable by everything. I'm like, what what did Roger have me watch? What is this movie?
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's super uncomfortable to watch, but he leaves. And as he's leaving, he does hear her yell at the doll. She's like, I told you to face the wall. And he's like, okay, yeah, I got to get out of here. This is too much. She goes to, she she goes to his house and he is, he has a couple, he has a friend there and he's smoking and his friend tells him, Hey, take that outside. So she's on the porch. He cracks the door open to, uh, to see, you know, to smoke out the door. And then she hears them. He she hears Adam talking about her and, in uh, he's like, Oh, I'm so glad I, I finally escaped that lunatic. And then there's a girl there that takes a cigarette from him, and she she basically starts crying and and go runs away and goes home, and she cuts the hand off her she cuts the hands off this toy action figure, which is again very symbolic because that's all she's talked about is how beautiful his hands are. So it's almost like she knows now that their their connection is probably not there anymore.
0: Yeah, they have like that weird makeout sequence. Yeah, where she has like a, a she has like a Barbie in this boxing. Figurine like making out, and it's the gloves are like this really bright red, it is super symbolic, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you and the whole cutting off of the gloves is definitely something that carries through, and that theme carries through to the end of this movie. Um, but so that the dialogue she hears in the scene, it's really like you know, it cements the fact that Adam is also kind of a piece of shit, like it's. Yeah, because he says to his friend, he's, he, he says to him, we're not talking about May. I I have successfully escaped that. The whole conversation, she hears the whole thing, and she, the whole combo goes by without her being noticed once. And it shows just how, how meek and quiet and uncomfortable she is. And that whole time he just stands there and delivers this really scathing piece about how... Um, how she's just kind of a freak, and how he's he he's happy that he was able to get away from her. Uh, it's a very sad, very sad well, moment.
2: This was also the same doll that she was using to kind of uh, symbolize him earlier in the movie when she was trying to figure out sex. So this was him. Yeah. yeah. But
1: still, I mean, if you had somebody that acted like that towards you, I mean, I, I, I you know, I mean, I can't say I totally blame yeah. him for for at least acknowledging the fact that he's gonna separate himself from from them mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean he's then but yeah his character is not very appealing at the at, at this point
2: he's a predator he's gross
1: paul now polly calls her over to come to her house and this is where basically they make out and have sex <laughs>
0: I mean, it's like w- it's the most lof- um, awkward lesbian makeout scene I've yeah. ever seen on camera, by the way. Like the whole thing you said about Caitlin, about her seeming like she's not comfortable yet with touching people. It's on full display in this moment.
1: But Anna Ferris is going to town on her. You know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She no- got what she yeah. wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. There's a scene where she's she's touching her. Polly is touching May and May sees that she has this big old mole on her finger that Polly has this big old mole on her finger and she, her, she's, she's, you can tell all right away. She's like grossed out by it. Her facial expression totally changes.
0: It looks like a cancerous mole. Like it does not, there's
1: hair growing out of it. Today,
0: <laughs> it's so the opposite of what like that character is too. Cause she's always dressed like, so like dressed up and like in tight little skirts and like high heels. And then she has this gigantic mole on her finger. It's just so like contradictory.
1: Yeah. And for some reason now the next day or a, day, a couple days later she goes may goes to the to the school to ask about volunteering for with the blind kids. The whole herd of them. The the receptionist is a kind of a bitch. I just wanted to slap her.
2: Yeah, yeah, she was a huge bitch. She didn't look like she belonged there either. She had like
0: facial um piercings, like chains hanging from her yes. face and, like she was full like goth, like gothed out and like red and black hair and, like, spikes. And she's working at this, like, school for, like, you know, special needs. And she's like, I want to – comes in and she's like, I want to uh, uh, be with the children. I want to, you know, fill in with the kids. And she's like, you've got to be more specific. Which ones do you want? And she just goes on a barrage of, like, really offensive terms. <laughs> yeah. Used so for-
2: offensive. <laughs> it's,
0: so, it's so awful. But it was actually a very funny moment. So yeah. she goes
1: into the classroom to meet the kids. And we get little – Petey, was that her name? Petey, yeah. Petey, Petey, the one the, is the girl that May is uh, uh, right away like gravitated gravitates towards because she can tell she's a loner, and um, the teacher's like, "Well, you can go to talk to, uh, talk to her, but she's she doesn't really like people." <laughs> the teacher go, go goes over to Petey, and she's like, "Petey, we have somebody that's here to see," you. and she's like, "Beat it, you, buzzle knob, or some weird word she caught," <laughs> and she's like, "You're so mean to me, Petey." But Petey is making an ashtray. And May's like, do you smoke? <laughs> she's like, no, do you? And she's like, yeah, I smoke. Well, you can have the ashtray when I'm done with it. It's kind of a sweet little moment. It's a little two little awkward. Yeah. And May is thrilled. She's carrying it around with her. She's very, very she happy a with a ashtray. So uh, later she runs into Adam at the laundromat again. Mm-hmm. And you can tell her demeanor is a little bit di- uh, different towards him now. You can tell. I mean, yeah, you can tell she kind of still likes him, but she's definitely not as enamored anymore with him as she ha- has been in, in the in the rest of the film. He asks her how how she's doing, and she's like, "She's great." She's like, "I'm great. I, I've been making some friends," and she has the cat with her. But his response is, well, my washers, this washer's broke. I got to go to a different laundromat. And once he leaves, she goes and puts money into the washer and it's not broke. So, you know, he just wanted to get away from her and she's bummed by it. It's kind of sad. Yeah, it's really sad. She's so defeated. And again, like so
0: vulnerable, like she takes like anybody would be, I think, kind of, well, anybody would feel super shitty if somebody like, you know, tried to fake out on them and ditch them acting like the machine is broken, but she takes these things so personally because she's never had these kinds of connections with people before, you know? And so it's really hard to watch as this movie goes on and you see some of these blows that she takes. Her character just processes them so um so harshly.
1: You know, she really takes it it's to a
2: very part. childlike way.
0: Yeah.
1: She yeah, mm-hmm. goes to Polly's apartment now because she feels like probably Polly is her only other friend and she wants some attention she wants some, she wants some interaction. Um but Polly has a girl over that we never see we only see her legs <laughs> <laughs> I love the way that they
0: choreograph I know sequence. it's just her
1: legs <laughs> and, and May is visibly upset and storms away she goes home and this is the scene she's like sitting on the floor with all these doll parts and the ashtray and she asks the poor cat to come to come you know to come see her she's like I've had a rough day come see me and the cat just hisses at her and walks away. And what does she do? This is the part I was like, "Oh,
2: oh. I know. I felt the same way during this. <laughs> I
0: forgot about this specific moment, and after I watched this, I was like, "Caitlin will not be able to handle this," because I did not I, give her any. I was not
2: thrilled. I did not give her any
0: pre-warning, and Caitlin loves cats, and I know this about I her. I love
2: cats so much.
0: <laughs> but um, May, in all her rage, throws her brand new. Um, ashtray at the cat and kills it with i mean she must have quite the pitch because that cat
1: is destroyed it is destroyed it's it's yeah she must have hit it in the head i'm assuming to kill it i I don't know but now she's in the shower with the dead cat on the, the in the shower with her and she's calling um she calls adam and this is another very awkward scene because he's like She's like, hey, is Adam there? And he's like, hey, what's up? And you think he recognizes who it is, the way he says that. And he's like, I just, she's like, I just wanted to know if you wanted to do anything tonight. He's like, who is this? Uh, And she's like, it's May. And he goes silent.
2: It shifts very quickly. It's very
1: Yeah, he's like, what do you, what do you want? I was just wondering if we can do something. He's like, I'm busy. And she's like, well, what about tomorrow? And he's like, maybe. She's like, "Oh, great. I'll see you tomorrow then."
0: Yeah, she's not processing um the messages that a lot of people are giving her at this point. And um and she is taking this all right. to heart and her decline at this point becomes very um it ramps up. Like the pacing of the movie takes a different tone, you know, as she starts to spiral, um the movie kind of goes into high gear, especially like the last half hour, 40 minutes of this movie, shit happens fast. And um, a lot of this, I really just associate with her mental state. She is not, she's not keeping it together. And as that happens, you know, you get a lot of really fast cuts, fast transitions to different moments. You, You can really see her mental state translated across the film, I feel.
1: Yeah. And then the scene ends with her telling Susie that she hates her. So I, oh. what did Susie do? I don't understand. But she
0: hates. Well, Susie has been very omnipresent through all of this. Let us be clear.
2: If Susie didn't teach her how to kiss so poorly, then none of this would have happened.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But if she, for, for hating Susie, she does something that is kind of odd. She takes Susie to the school for the blind kids. And. This was another awkward scene because she basically has the, the the doll has been in this glass case the entire movie. It's never come out of the case. She's not supposed to take it out of the case, but she just has this glass box and she's like asking. The, she's like, kids, what do I have here? Oh, how, yeah.
2: This was kind of weird. How are
1: they supposed to know? Even if they touch it, it's a, it's a glass. <laughs> it just feels like a box. Yeah, yeah. 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 But she's like, what do I have? And they're like, I don't know. What is it? Um. And so even the kids are touching the glass and they're like, what is it? I, we don't know what it is. And she's like, it's my best friend. And they're like, Oh, a box. <laughs> and, a bo- <laughs> and then the, one of the girls is like, Oh, it must be inside the box. And she's like, very good. And now they want her to take the doll out of the box. And she's like, no, I can't do that. Well, Petey's a little aggressive ass goes right over and starts grabbing the box out of her hand. And there's a tug of war between May and, and the, the blind kids trying to get this box open. <sighs> and the box, what, what happens? The box drops.
2: And it just shatters around all of these blind kids.
1: The blind kids don't know that now the floor is covered with glass. They're trying to get to the doll. So there is a prolonged scene of all these blind kids crawling over broken glass.
2: Little knees They're
1: screaming bloody murder, bloods everywhere.
0: (laughs) This scene is almost surreal, the way they did it. Because it goes into like, the kids, the one girl, Petey, she's like, she must be out of the box now. And they all put their hands up and they all go down in like slow motion. And you see like the other teacher like scream out and like get up to run and trip over a chair. And it's all just happening in slow motion. And it's so it's so hard to hard watch. To watch. Like, the children... The, the children keep crawling through the glass but as they're screaming, but they're also, like, fighting for the doll and destroying it. It's like a horde mentality. And, like, May is just sitting there rocking with the
1: doll in tears. It is very sad. It's, it's a very difficult scene to watch. The doll has basically been ripped apart. I mean, the kids ripped the doll apart. So May is going home, and she just has all she has are the doll parts covered in that have blood been dismembered and she, they're covered in all the kids blood and she takes it <laughs> home and she's trying to, <laughs> she's trying to put it together again and she can't get it. And she goes, she's so then she starts scratching her eyes like furiously. Oh
2: yeah. Like, oh, I yeah. have such an eye phobia too. And like, like I said, Roger didn't tell me anything about this movie. Oh, uh, I, I have such an eye phobia.
1: She scratches her eyes and then she falls asleep with the dead cat on top of her and and some doll parts covering her. Face. She keeps, she keeps, <laughs> she keeps
2: spraying it's it so with Lysol funny. though, so it's fine. yeah. She
1: sprays the cat with Lysol. Yeah. Uh, Polly calls to wake her up, and this is when her, she wakes up and she takes the doll parts off of her face, and her eyes are just like, oh. they're bloodshot. They're they blood. They're bloody. Um, it's just. Yeah. So what hap-
0: what I take away is like, you see it when she's fighting with the children, she's wiping her eyes, like she's rubbing her eyes.
2: Yeah, there's glass in her eyes. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, she's those new contacts. So that are keeping her eyes from being, you know, wonky. So the glass shards in my mind got under the contacts. But every once in a while, if you listen to the audio, you hear like glass, like crunching of glass
2: yeah you can oh, and it's so, it's so gross oh
0: and like yeah, it's I, so it, gross uh, i feel you on the eye phobia caitlin like i do not Eyes. like anything oh it's so awful but yeah so now she's back in her glasses she's kind of like reverting back to how she was before she got that newfound confidence there for a moment with her contacts and her sexy clothing. She's like reverting back to how
1: may was prior. Yeah. And then this is a random scene where she is at a bus bench and next to her is James Duvall's character, which I don't know if he has a name. I'm just going to call him hair because what was up (laughs) with that hair? Right, the hair was ridiculous. Uh, Did anybody actually ever wear their hair that way? I mean, part I I could see like a mohawk, but this was like part of it was vertical, part of it was horizontal. It was
2: it was trying to be liberty spikes, but it was really bad. Um, Also, I would like to know if he did his own hair or if he got to set and somebody did that to him.
0: Well, I think they want this character to look as, like, dregs of society as possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, if you look at it, like, his mohawk, it's, like, wilting in the heat. Like, it's, like, <laughs> it's, like, a soft, malleable mohawk. And, like, when he takes his shirt off, because inevitably he takes his shirt off, it, like, kind of flops to the side. It is... V- it's not like a great moment. No. It is something that some guy did with super glue in his basement. So I wouldn't be shocked if he like took it on himself. He's like, this is a character choice. Because it's a good character yeah, choice. Yeah, was a it great character, character.
1: Choice. Yeah, it makes me hate him right off the bat. Yes. Yeah. Well, he wants her to, he, he invites her to go have juju bees with him. Yes. Which those are those candies, right? Yeah. Those gummy candies that make your teeth stick together. Those are gross. But they go back to her apartment and are eating juju bees. And. He, again, these characters are just so weird. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, it's getting hot in here. Do you mind if I take my shirt off? And she's like, do what you want. So he takes his shirt off. And then he's like, oh, my God, I'm still hot. He's like, do you got some ice cubes I can put on my nipples? (laughs) And he runs
0: into the kitchen. And she's like, no, don't do that. And he he opens the freezer and finds Loopy, the cat, wrapped in like plastic wrap in the freezer and he's like whoa dude you're a freak and she's like oh he's my friend and he's like that's weird i'm not gonna be your friend like he like just like loses his shit on her um and for some reason this is the breaking point (laughs) like for some reason
2: this guy guy was the last straw Which I can say. I get it.
1: I get it. I get it. That hairdo, he deserved what's coming to him.
2: Yeah, that awful mesh.
1: Because she actually grabs a pair of scissors and stabs him to death with the scissors. She stabs him through his hand as he's backing away. She stabs him through his hand and then takes his hand and smashes it into his face so that the scissors impale themselves into his eye or his head. Like his skull. Yeah. Yeah, And he's like, blood's everywhere. Uh, And then she just looks deadpan at the camera and she's like, I need more parts. <laughs> and we're like, okay, this, but we know what's going to happen now. Oh yeah.
0: One pivotal thing at the, at the bench that I want to acknowledge is when he sits down next to her, Um, she's like kind of in her own little world and he's trying to make conversation with her. And she says so many pretty parts, no, no pretty holes. Cause she's watching all the people walk yeah. by and this is a concept that carries throughout the rest of the film. And yeah. we see it on full display with this whole sequence that happens leading up to this guy being killed. Um, she starts to identify in people the parts that she thinks are the best, the physical parts. You know, With obviously with Adam, she's been focusing on the hands, but every character kind of has a little feature that she focuses on. And you mentioned this, Troy, but this is where it becomes a literal thing. To May, it transitions beyond being you know symbolic or figurative and literally becomes what are the good parts of the people that I like the most
1: yeah yeah I mean it's very like we, it's very Frankensteinish. I mean yeah it's, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming the parallel there is, is meant to be
2: something I thought was interesting is right before um, she killed that guy with the hair. He did have a Frankenstein tattoo right on his bicep. Yes. And I thought that that was a fun little call out because like, that's what she's doing. So I thought that that was fun.
1: That's what, and that's the, what she likes about him because she tells him, oh, I like your tattoo. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. It's a Frankenstein. and that's his he arms. To, she likes his arms. Yes. Because yeah. she uses his arms f- later. We'll get to the end. We're not going to spoil end, <laughs> But after this, she runs into Adam at the park and she's reading. He, she's just reading and he's like, hey, May. And He's trying to be you know, civil to her, even though we know he's an asshole. Like, well, just well, quit talking to her. If, if you don't want anything to do with her, yeah,
2: just don't, just talk, don't to her. talk
1: to her. But he does. He's like, hey, May, how are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm fine. And again, I love the fact that it, 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 I think at this point, we know based on her reaction to him that she has pretty much made up her mind what she's going to do. Because she is she's yeah. not even really all that. Fazed by him or entertained by him he's like what are you doing she's like i'm reading he's like oh what you reading she's like about amputation he's like oh for work she's like no for fun <laughs> but then there is a, a, a kind of a moment where he does bend down and get in her face and he's like you know May, i just want to say I, I apologize for things not working out the th- things just didn't seem right and i love this moment because she does this angela bettis does this thing that i think again these little quirks where she just she taps the side of her head you know, over and over again. she's like, I understand. And she just keeps tapping her head. And it's just one, it's like that little quirk that, you know, that she is again, made up her mind, what she's going to do. And that she understands my, my take on that uh-huh. was she understands now what she has to do to get a true friend. Uh-huh. You know, she's made up her mind. So she understands it's uh-huh. not a big deal. He, he gets up to leave and she does, he offers her a handshake and she does, this one final awkward thing where she starts kissing his hand <laughs> and he's like pulls away real quick. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go. And then she's like, bye bye hand. Bye bye hand. I'll see you later. Which <laughs> very foreboding.
0: Yes. And he like looks at her, he like walks away and stops and looks back. And he's, you can tell that he's like, this girl is wackadoo. Um, uh, And I do acknowledge the fact that he did try to, like, apologize. I think he also acknowledges that she's a little bit more off than he ever expected and probably sees the potential kind of danger in that. Not necessarily expecting her to do what she ends up doing, but just the danger in damaging someone like that. Or, you know, having a stalker, somebody who takes something to an extreme. People process these things in lots of weird different ways. And unfortunately for the other characters in this film, may processes things pretty violently. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I also feel like this is like in that scene. Her demeanor has completely changed. Like she is not the same person that she was in the beginning of the movie. By this, by this time,
1: Uh, yeah, not at all. Especially in the next scene, because the next scene is her and Polly out in the outside of the animal hospital, and she's measuring Polly, Mm -hmm. (laughs) taking Polly's measurements, like wrapping the touching people
2: and okay with it. Like she's she's okay with human contact at this point.
1: And Polly's like, what are you doing? And, ma- and she's like, oh, I'm going to make you, I'm making you a blouse. And Polly's like, oh, you're so sweet. Oh, she's thrilled with it. And then P- Polly's girlfriend shows up, legs. And we finally get to ambrosia. see her Ambrosia. Ambrosia.
2: <laughs> like, oh <my> <laughs> what a name. Like
1: the salad. <laughs> she tells Ambrosia that she has beautiful gams. Nice gams.
2: Nice gams.
1: And
0: Ambrosia is not a fan of May from the start. You can tell, like, I love this chick. I wish she was in more of the movie because her facial reactions and just, like, her dialogue, she's... Ambrosia has everything going on she's gorgeous she's got legs for days no wonder she likes her gams because they are great Um, and she's just hilarious like she's such a bitch
2: she's such a bitch um, it's so great
0: and she's yeah and she's like measuring may up poor little may she's always like looking at her like you could tell she's got like a jealousy streak because she knows she knows that um that Polly has a thing for May. It's pretty clear that there's like some weird, awkward jealousy there. Yeah,
1: and while well, they go back inside and 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 Polly and Ambrosia are giggling and making out. May proceeds to load her bag with all of the surgical equipment that, that is available at this veterinarian hospital. We're talking scalpels, saws, everything. She's throwing it in her bag. And then she proceeds to go home and get dressed up for Halloween. And who does she dress up as for Halloween, Roger? Fucking Susie. Who else?
0: <laughs> and everyone's obviously going to know it. But let me tell you, all that aside, that dress, I'd wear it any day of the fucking weekend.
2: It's super cute.
0: Oh, my God. It's so, t- so uses all, all of her red fabrics and everything to make, like, a sexy version of Susie's dress. And she, like, puts, like, white powder on her skin. She, like, literally becomes Susie, which is, again, very symbolic. But, um, she, yeah, she, she finally has, like, the confidence— to go out uh, and make her dream come true. Her dream being finding her perfect
1: counterpart by whatever means necessary. (laughs) Yeah. I love the change in her character at this point. I do too. I love
2: it so much.
1: I mean, she nails it. It's like a completely different character. The confidence there. She, she, she doesn't take things, it's hard anymore. I mean, she's very matter of fact. Uh, she actually, it, it's just really cool to see the transition that she makes because she now goes, she's now dragging a cooler throughout town. She she goes to P- Polly's house for Halloween and she's dressed all, you know, to the hilt in this Susie outfit. So, Polly invites her in and they're sitting on the couch and Polly's like, Do you have my blouse? and she like leans back and may proceeds to pull out two scalpels okay oh. <laughs> and puts them yeah puts them towards her neck i would be freaked out however i think that yeah i am not going to sit there and let you do that but i think the scene earlier in the film where they have that scalpel scalpel play it does make yeah. polly think that no she's not going to hurt
2: me yeah this is just a thing that may does
1: yeah
0: she even takes her blouse off like and she's there in her bra like it's very much it's got very like a sexy like kink factor to it like it's clear up to the very last moment that Polly thinks that this is all
1: kind of like kink play which makes it even more like uncomfortable
0: considering what happens
1: she has the line where she's like she's like i trust you may i know you would never hurt me and like three seconds later may slits her throat
2: yeah yeah it was it wasn't even like three seconds later it was almost like simultaneously like she said that line and then she And I was like, I mean, I knew it was going to happen, but, like, poor Polly.
0: And you don't see any, like, you don't, like, when you see May's facial reactions, when they cut back to her in, like, this sequence and moving forward, there's not, like, ever a moment of doubt or hesitation. There's never a pause. Like, one of the the most consistent things now is she is so fixated on getting what she wants. She has no question about how to achieve that. Um, And this kill, yeah, she just goes right in and slits Polly's throat and uh, next shot you see is like a wide shot of the living room with, uh, like they have this like white fur carpet and it's pink with blood and you just see her feet like sprawled out and Ambrosia stumbles into the house drunkenly. And never even notices because she's wasted. Uh, she never even sees that that her
1: girlfriend is dead in the next room, just sprawled out on the carpet. No, but May goes in the kitchen and meets Ambrosia. And Ambrosia is like, it's such a bitch.
2: Such a God. bitch. She's like, no, what
1: are you doing here? Yeah. She's like, there's that moment where, where she says something and May chuckles. And then Ambrosia's like exaggerate, like chuckles back at her, like making fun of her. Uh, and then she's like, "You're so fucking weird." I don't know what Polly sees in you. And again, the character is completely transitioned because she's she's just no nonsense. May's like, Polly doesn't see anything.
2: <laughs> yeah, I loved that. She's just not and even dazed. She, de-
0: she demands Ambrosia. She, like, straightforward demands Ambrosia turns around and shows off her gams, her legs to her. And Ambrosia is drunk, and she's, like, creeped out, and understandably so. But she, like, appeases her in jest. Like, she turns around, she's like, how is that for you? Like, she's such a bitch about it. (laughs) And May is obviously satisfied, and she takes out two sewing needles and jams them into Ambrosia's temples. Pop like right into her, <laughs> into the sides of her head, and she's drinking out of this milk carton, and you just see like the milk drop and the blood start like <laughs> mixing with the it milk. It was a it's great such shot. Cool it looks really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was cool, and it, yeah, it's May. May's a woman on a mission now, because she's yeah. dragging. Yeah, there's no hesitation. No, she's dragging her cooler, and where she go next? She goes to Adam's house, and. <laughs> He answers the door and he's like, obviously very dismissive. He's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, what makes it even more awkward is he has a girl over now. The girl, there's a, there's a conversation where he says something. He's, he calls her May. And the girl's like, very like, this is May. And May shoots her this glance and then shoots a glance back to Adam. So, you know, you know exactly what she's thinking. That, you know, he, Adam must've told her all. I'm I'm some sort of freak because then the girl is like, jokingly, "Do you want to come in and have have a drink?" And May just barges right in, and Adam's like with the girl. He's like, "Thanks a lot." And now this whole scene is so freaking uncomfortable to watch. The three of them sitting at the table. Yeah. And she is sitting across from Adam, and she's like, "Touch yeah. my face," and he's like, "What?" And she's like, "Touch my face."
0: Yeah. And. The girlfriend, the, the the girl in the cat ears, because uh, he's dressed up like, like a Grecian, like a like a Roman king, and she's dressed up like a kitty cat. And she's, like, egging it on because she's kind of starting to f- hear things in the dialogue that's kind of pissed, getting her pissed off at Adam. So she's kind of, like, playing along with May. Um and he even at one point at one point calls the girlfriend like a dumbass. And she's like, oh, I guess I'm the dumbass. Like you could tell like they already have like this kind of tumultuous relationship, which I think is why she's just egging on this interaction with May because she knows that he has no desire to interact with May. Yeah,
1: and she is insistent that he touches her face. And the girl is getting mad. The girl like gets on Adam's lap and is like, he's mine. These hands are mine. And she starts she sticks his uh, she starts taking his fingers in her mouth and sucking on him. And May's like, stop that. I mean, it's very uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. The girl and Adam like kind of gets up. Like it's kind of like he's drunk and he's kind of stumbling. And the girl falls on the floor and, and May goes over and helps the girl up. And he's like, she's like, you know, touch my face. And he touches her like in the most kind of, what's the word? Dismissive way as possible. He takes his f- index finger, just bops her on the forehead with it. Yeah. And at this same moment, she stabs the girl in the neck with the scalpel. The girlfriend who's standing right next to him, and and Adam's like screaming. And we find out we find out what she what she does to Adam. Yeah, she cuts. She stabs him in the stomach with the scalpel. But because the scene cuts to her dragging the cooler home, and then it cuts back to we see what she did to Adam, which was stab him in the gut with the with the scalpel. Um, and we're back at her apartment, and she's. <laughs> She's washing all the parts in the in the bathtub. There's a scene of her like scrubbing the legs, you know?
0: <laughs> the prop for the legs is so great because like, it even like has like a meaty texture to like, she's washing it. And like, you could see the fat in the legs, like, you know, kind of like has like a natural kind of bounce to it. Like meat would, it's such a effective shot, this whole little tub shot. But yeah, she's, like, it's very, like, uh, all part of the process for her. Like, she's not phased by any of it. Um, when she's pulling the cooler, I have to say that, like, as she's dragging the cooler, this one girl walks by her in a Halloween costume, and she's like, wow, great costume. You got any cold ones in there? And, May- and May's like, why, yes, I do. <laughs> and, like, wink, wink. Like, there's some one-liners in this movie that are actually pretty great. And that's one of them.
1: So she has all the parts that she needs, and her... Vision, she proceeds to sew them together to make a giant doll. It's a it's a life-size Susie, but it has all the parts of the best parts of these people that she's encountered. So you got the legs from Ambrosia. You got the torso and neck from Polly. You got Adam's hands. You got weird guy, weird hairs, arms. It doesn't have a head. It's like, what is the head? It's the head is like a... Isn't it the cat like rolled up? I don't... Know. Is it the is cat? Because you see... I think she wraps,
0: like, the red fabric Oh, you know what? I think oh. it is. Because she... Then, then she...
2: Yeah, because the cat was her friend.
0: Yeah. Then she places Susie's, like, eyes on top of it. And then the ears are the girl's. Because she complimented the girl's oh. earrings. Remember? So the ears oh, are... Yeah, the,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. She takes mm-hmm. the
0: ears from the the girl with the cat ears. Um. So, like, yeah, everybody has contributed, like, a little part. And then, obviously, Ambrosia's luscious legs are the are the the gams. Um, but uh, she's done with the process of constructing this doll and she looks down at it and it still just doesn't seem complete to her.
1: She says, you can't see me. Well, she says she's talking to the doll and she's like, I can f- work g- I can feel you here. And then she's like, touches the doll's chest. And she's like, you're going to feel me here. And then she realizes something's not right. And she starts screaming, you can't see me. I just want you to see me. It's so sad. And her acting in these last few minutes of the film is fucking incredible. Incredible. Yeah. So she realizes the doll can't see her. So she goes to her mirror and she's just crying, you know, hysterically. And she sees scissors on the floor and she picks the scissors up. And yeah. Stabs herself in the eye with a scissor so that she can gouge her eyeball out to give to the doll.
0: Oh my god. Why did it have to be scissors? Like, the way they film it,
2: it's you don't horrifying. see the
0: penetration of the scissors, but like, you hear. Yeah, it. it's horrible. And like, it
2: is. It's gross. I, it's yeah, super I gross. I covered and, the screen up, I'm not going to lie, during this part of the
1: movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah but did. she pulls
0: that eye out yeah. and she places it atop. the head of the doll, which is now named Amy, because she broke the, um, she shattered the, um, the, the ashtray and she like reconstructed the letters of May to spell a different name. So the doll is Amy. Um, and so Amy now has a real eye. She has May's eye and, um, and apparently that has given her sight. And so May lays down sobbing beside her, bleeding profusely from her eye and, in a strangely t- like touching, tender moment, she kind of settles in. And the sobs kind of subside. And Caitlin, what happens?
2: The doll picks up its hand and it, it touches her face.
1: It caresses her face. And she smiles. It caresses
2: her face. And she
1: smiles, <laughs> and, she smiles <laughs> and she's comforted.
2: And she is pure bliss.
1: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's yeah. the end. Yep.
2: <laughs> and that's the end of the movie
1: which again what the fuck
0: but i think you know what here looking back on this like d- is that really what happened or is that what
1: she wanted to happen
2: i i mean it how how it's what she wanted to happen like my
1: thought yeah my thought is it was in her mind
2: that's what i think too and i couldn't tell like if that moment in time i was like is she is she dying like is this like her last like dying like thought that's going through her head is that this, this doll is touching her. I don't know how long it takes to bleed out from an eye wound.
1: I would say it'd be pretty quick. I would imagine. I mean, it is your head, but my thought and on it is eh, the shock. I, I personally think she's imagining it. And because there's nothing else in the film, even though you kind of said there was Roger with the supernatural element, I don't think there's like enough in the film to justify this particular ending being like real.
0: You know, yeah, I, I agree. guess when I say supernatural, it's not so much that I think there's like ghosts and spirits around them as it is. I think that what you have going on, like you said this, Caitlin, with the doll, with, with Susie, um, and like even heard the audible like breaking of the glass and it making, you know, it kind of causes her to have that breakdown in the shower and everything earlier. She's obviously, I would say almost maybe got like a schizophrenic kind of thing going on.
2: Sure, absolutely. She's obviously unstable. She's obviously ill.
0: Yeah. And so she's hearing things and seeing things that may or may not be real. So I'm sure I, I feel that um, I used the wrong terminology when I said that there's something supernatural. It's more just that there's a heightened alternate reality that as towards Maze experience versus everybody else in this movie but even that is very subtle like you don't get a ton of it until this final moment aside from some of these moments with Susie and the glass breaking at very specific times and everything on that on the case um but yeah this last moment I think is more symbolic than anything though I do think it's very strange Troy that we have reviewed two films within a matter of like a month period that end with the same note
1: Yeah, two stitched
0: together. Yeah, pieces having the stitched together body reach up and rip a man's penis off at the end of a movie.
1: This is a far more which again just didn't make any. Yeah, which just didn't make any sense because, like I just said about this film, this pieces definitely has zero supernatural element to it. So that ending was way just out of left field, unbelievable. This one, I mean, it it does make you think. Did this really happen, or is she hallucinating? I personally have always bought that she's hallucinating that this is a she's. I mean, she's just freaking murdered, what, four people? Uh, I mean, obviously, her her mental state is very fragile. Uh, She just cut her eyeball out to give to a doll. This was her last, like, it was in in her last desperate attempt to make this friend actually see her. Because remember, she's screaming, just see me. All I want is for you to see me um and there for a while i thought she did die but the the reason i know that she's not dead is because when the doll starts caressing her face she does smile but there for a moment i did think she was dead yeah that's fair i do think it's a i do think it's a hallucination yeah i I really do because i I I can't justify i can't justify it being a real right yeah but in being a hallucination
0: in that it's still very impactful sure absolutely um it's, you know, when you think of what she's gone through mentally, especially, you know, what she's gone through the, the, the course of this film, trying to find a companion. And in a way, it gives you some strange element of peace. Like the shot gives you this weird kind of feeling of almost like she found her. She found what she was looking for. And I, I don't know why. Like you can leave this movie in the midst of such like a, like a sad and violent and destructive ending and still feel like in a way not happy for her but like that aspect of her soul is qualmed or calmed i hope um but I mean you never see any follow-up on the aftermath like of what happened with all these murders she committed does she die um does uh, what happens from here i mean it literally just ends it leaves you on that note and you really don't know any of the the ramifications any any of the um you know punishment that would come with a mass murder and sewing the body parts together. Like, this is just the beginning of May's journey. Let's be real here. <laughs> but, um,
2: absolutely. It's yeah. still
0: very elegantly portrayed that final moment. Like you, like we said earlier, you want to see May, no matter what she does in this movie, the way she's played by Angela Bettis, expertly played by Angela Bettis. Uh, it leaves you feeling so, so, um, just, um, I mean I don't want to just say sad for her there's so much more to it but like you 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 kind of yearn for her to find some form of happiness cuz she's like just like kind of a tortured soul she has no peace you know she has no happiness in her life she has nobody um and and you still yeah. want to see her find that even though she's going about it in a very destructive way
1: It's a very uh depressing film Yeah it in, is. in many in many senses I mean it, but it's well acted um it's, it's very impactful. It's probably one of the better indie horror films to come out in the last, what, 20 years? Uh, I mean, it has a following, and the following is is very deserved. But yeah, that final shot, I think what makes that final shot even more sort sort of creepy and effective is it's, it's, it's completely silent. There's no score or anything, and you just see the hand raise and come, and you're like, what the hell? And you know what? I think the first time I saw this film, I had to rewind it because I thought when I first watched it and I know it's not the case, I thought that she herself was grabbing the hand and putting it on her face. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she did with, like she did with, um, Adam at the beginning of the film with his hand. I thought yeah. that's what was happening is she was putting the hand there herself. But then I, I realized that's not what was happening. So again, hallucination, her, her last little wish before she either passes away or spends her life in prison. <laughs> I mean, that's the reality because she she certainly didn't clean up the crime scene and get rid of the DNA so <laughs> there's one line in this
0: film that comes up a few times that like it, it really sums up her character and her uh, the fact that she's mistranslating a lot of things, uh, misunderstanding a lot of things and her mama says to her early in the film and then she carries it with her, if you can't uh, if you don't have any friends. Make one.
2: Make one. Meaning like, yeah.
0: go make a friend, go meet somebody. And she takes it literally. And she has yeah. no friends. And so she makes one. And it, it is such a full circle moment for that final, you know, 20 minutes of the film where she's literally constructing this friend. Um, and just how she mis- misunderstands all social norms to begin with and really just does not know how to manage living a day-to-day with other people. It, it is a very depressing film, and you really want her to find happiness, and it's very sad that she doesn't. But like I said, in a way, you're left feeling strangely like she kind of does because of the way they end it, the way that they conclude the story. So um it's weird. I feel like I'm not, like, I feel like when the movie ends, I'm feeling the wrong emotions. Like, I'm almost, I should be, like, more sad, but in a way, I'm kind of like, ah.
2: Oh, she created the perfect friend. That's what she set out to do. He loves
0: her. (laughs) Yeah. 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 She
2: made the perfect friend.
0: So Caitlin, upon your first viewing, what did you think of this film overall?
2: Um, I mean, I, I really liked this movie. I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I was going to when it first started with the scenes with the mom, because I was like, uh, I don't know. Like that's like it. It's r- right away with the doll and everything. I'm like, this is, this is going to be hokey. Um, but then as soon as um, Angela Bessett was on screen, I was like, oh, she's amazing. Um, and then obviously the other characters are quickly introduced and um, the cast is just really, really great. She's my favorite part of the movie, hands down, but I do really like the story. Um, and I agree. like I I felt a lot of emotions when it ended and I, <laughs> I don't think... That I was feeling what I should have been feeling, because I was like, "Oh, like she, she's, she's got her friend."
1: I mean, she got what she wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, May, yeah, she got her friend. She, she got, got her friend. She, she's. It's a very sympathetic character, even though I mean, let's be honest, she's a psychopath. She yeah. killed, I mean, she's murdered. She murdered Polly for crying out loud. Um, yeah, she murdered Polly. That's, I mean, she murdered. She the murdered cat. the cat. Let's not forget about the cat that becomes the doll's head. So, yeah th- i mean it's a it's a great film it's one of like I said, it's one of my favorite um films of the last 20 years by far i i i, I think it held, hold, holds up extremely well like you said I, I upon this viewing it seems it doesn't seem like it's gonna be 20 years old at all it still feels very fresh even though it's a concept that's sort of been done uh, before but this one does it extremely well and it, it's really cool to see a female you know protagonist uh with this particular like murderous trait that she's being driven by wanting to create the perfect person it's like a female version of of frankenstein Mm
0: -hmm. but all for the sake of wanting to be loved and not even necessarily always
2: she just wants to be loved and accepted yeah for who she is
0: it doesn't even need to be romantic it's more of just finding that person that accepts you for who you are all your flaws you know so yeah that is May, and that is Caitlin Newberry. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us thank for this you. review.
2: Thank you, guys. My goodness,
0: you helped make my birthday so much more special. <laughs> um, so before we conclude this, Caitlin, um, let the listeners know really quick, what what do you have coming up that you'd really like to promote, and how can they learn more about you and learn more about your projects, and where can they follow you? Give us the spiel.
2: Um, I mean, you can all follow me on social media. If you just Google my name, Caitlin Newberry, like – I, I will pop up one way or another. I will pop up. Uh, I mostly stick to Instagram because I am way too lazy to use more than one platform. Um, I have a couple of projects lined up, but unfortunately, um, I can't really disclose any information right now. I just worked on a movie called, uh, cult of blood with Dave Sheridan and Felissa Rose. Um, and I will be going back in and, and uh, doing another movie with that same company n- next year ish, um, so that's kind of exciting. And then I have a couple of things that are not going to be shot in this country. So, so yeah, yeah.
0: Wow! Oh my yeah. god! Fancy <laughs> schmancy, do over here yeah. traveling the world in its many places. Um, that's awesome, Caitlin. That's so awesome. And and I. Hope I get back on set with you again soon, and I hope I see you again soon. It's all the reason in the world for me to come to Atlanta to see your beautiful face. So until then, this has been wonderful (laughs) to see you over my laptop and hear your voice. And I'm excited that all of our listeners will get to hear your voice. And, uh, guys, I urge you to follow Caitlin on social media. Support her <laughs> films. Go watch Mother Krampus 2 Sleigh Ride. Go watch American Poltergeist, The Curse of Lilith Ratchet, where I play her lover, <laughs> though you wouldn't know it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, <laughs> play. but please just support Caitlin as she supported us. We love her more than the world. And, uh, Troy, what do we got coming up next week? Because I know it's another exciting
1: episode it is another exciting episode we will have another guest um oh. next week and i'm excited about it because we've actually if you remember roger before we'd even met each other like actually in person we actually guest guested it on his podcast remember
0: the, the grave dancers episode right yes
1: the grave dancers we're talking the, the, about the one and only patrick walsh uh, who hosts love the him. scream queens podcast we can't get a better fit for our show <laughs> Right, he is going to be our guest next week, and we are going to be talking about a film that I admittedly have never seen, uh, but it it's should be a good one. It's called All About Evil. Have you seen that, Roger? I have not. No. It's directed by Joshua Grinnell, better known as Peaches Christ. Oh my God! Uh, Yes. yes. And it has Natasha Leone, Mink Stole. Thomas Decker, Cassandra Peterson, a.k.a. Elvira. So I cannot believe I've never seen it. So I'm excited to watch it. And we know Patrick is going to bring a lot of fun to that. Oh, so my God. The levels of sass. The sass, the sass, yes. the sass.
0: I can't wait. Three times the sass. You get three gays in one show. What more could you possibly <laughs> want?
1: Exactly. So if you haven't watched... Um, all About Evil, watch it before then. So, yeah, so you can enjoy our episode without worrying about the film being spoiled. So, definitely, yeah, that's next
0: week. Definitely. Woo-hoo. Exciting things to come. Exciting things to come after our 30th episode. We're going to double it. We're going to get to 60, and then we're <laughs> going to have a big old party. But until then, guys, please tune in. Please support Caitlin Newberry and everything she does. Uh, and please uh, come back and, and check us out next week. But until then, please... Go vote on our uh, social medias and all of our different platforms. Give us a star rating. Give us some love. Give us some support. We need it.
1: We need it. That's how we continue to grow. And that's what motivates us to keep doing this. Knowing that people are listening, knowing people are enjoying it, that's that's really motivating to both of us. So yeah, give us a review on on Apple Podcasts, hit the five-star rating, leave a little review, and it would mean the world to us. Because like I said, that's what, that's what motivates us for take to take the time every week to, to record these episodes, to edit the episodes, to know that you guys are enjoying it. So we appreciate you very much. So next week, next week. Next week, we'll see you then. But till then, you guys... I hope you have a wonderful
0: night. And Caitlin, I love you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Bye, everybody.
1: Good night.